What's the matter with you? Uh, I guess I just can't take it, sir. What did you say? It's my nerves, sir. I, I, I just can't stand the shelling anymore. Your nerves? Well, hell, you're just a goddamn coward. sitting here crying in front of these brave men who've been wounded in battle. <laughs> Shut up! Don't admit this yellow bastard. Nothing wrong with him. You won't have sons of bitches who are afraid to fight stinking up this place of honor. You're going back to the front, my friend. You may get shot, you may get killed, but you're going up to the fighting. Either that or I'm going to stand you up in front of a firing squad. I'm going to shoot you myself. Gun damn you. Bastard, get him out of here. Send him up to the front. You hear me? You gun damn coward. Episode 86 of Gundam and MHQ. This is uh, one of your great hosts, Neil, along with my two of the two other great hosts, uh, Soulbro and Chris. Guy, say hello to all the people out there. Yo. What's what's up, everybody? All right. Well, we're back, and in this episode, we're going to be doing a double shot of some anime movies, uh, some oldies but goodies. Uh, the first one we're going to be talking about is going to be oldies and goodies with Casey Kasem hitting the top 40. <laughs> Okay. And now a death dedication. <laughs> oh. John from joke. Arkansas wants to dedicate this one to a certain someone that he cares about but hasn't seen in years. This one's for you, John. <laughs> Bernie from Side 3 is dedicating this out to special little boy. Oh, actually. What, no, actually it would be uh, this boy Al from, uh, what the hell? I forget what the colony was. What was the colony? Rhea. Rhea. Mm-hmm. No, Lightbot. Libot. Li- that's right. This is Al from the Libot Colony putting out a special dedication to his best friend, Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> well, for all. Well done, Bernie. Well done. <laughs> but, um, yes, back to all seriousness. Uh, first topic is going to be a continuation of our uh, Pat Labor Roundup that we started last episode with the first uh, Pat Labor movie. And uh, we'll be capping it off with that after uh, in the second segment, which is going to be an old movie, um, probably from the VHS days, I, I would imagine. Uh, definitely would. Uh, that's the last time I remember seeing it. Um, and uh, it's it's the Wings of Hanamise. So uh, definitely check that out. And just a quick note before we begin the news, 
Uh, we're going to be switching up things a little bit. Um, from this point on, the mailbag is now going to be in the ending, the last segment of the um, of the show because uh, we decided we want to get you guys quicker to the uh, the segments there and kind of bounce things out with uh, time and everything. So um, don't worry. It's going to be there. You're just going to have to listen all the way through. Uh, Peter and uh, Mula Flaga, we know like you guys like skipping around, but you can, walk, you can listen through it all the way through to the end. So um, it's okay. It is okay. Just put them on blast. <laughs> That's awesome. So no one freak out. No no letters to Chris. Uh, no angry things on the threads. What? What did you do with mailbag? You didn't answer my question. It's at the end. It's at the end, folks. So stay tuned. Jay, Jay Leno posting questions. <laughs> <laughs> I was putting there and I was like asking what what's your favorite car in Cyber Formula? That's my favorite one there. <laughs> I actually have that car, you know. You don't have two thousand and forty-nine cars, but um, but sorry. So just that programming note, and uh, now we will be going to the most exciting, the greatest, the most explosive segment of any of of all of Gundam. What could that be? Yes, news, <laughs> listener submitted news. And uh, always, I just want to thank you all the posters for putting all the articles up there. And if you have anything that we'd, you'd want us to talk about, uh, it seems pertinent. You know what we talk about here. So it uh, can be mecha-related or it can be just uh, good stuff, too. So um, uh, always go to the Mecha Talk forum and go into the Gundam section, Gundam and MHQ section, and under the thread of Neo's listener submitted news articles. But the first one here comes from a great American, Dolo. And uh, this is for all you, um, all those people that bought the three, uh, 3DS, all 49 of you. Uh, so, <laughs> and this is, uh, sorry about that. This comes from Silicon Era, and this is talking about the new SD Gundam G Generation 3D game coming this December 22nd. So, oh. And it's going to be uh, released as part of a premium box edition packaged with Char's custom 3DS. So what? It's a 3DS that goes three times quicker, or is it uh, sit on the shelf 3Ds lo- 3Ds, three days longer? <laughs> three times. <laughs> or it costs three times more than the average 3DS. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> So um, it's it's going to be uh, with the 3DS and a copy of the game. It's not clear if it's a limited edition or not. So um, you know, for all you super, uh, for all you SD Gundam fans out there, definitely check that out. And I uh, just want to thank you, Mr. Dolo, Great American, for your submission. So uh, next one here, and this is more game news because we're getting close to the end of the year. So that means Christmas, yay! So that means games. <laughs> This one comes from a great Australian, Vent Noir. He's actually a good Australian because he's not in prison. So uh, th- he's got a post here, and this is also coming from Silicon Era. This must be a new website they want me to take out or something. So uh, all those uh, Super Robot fans, like uh, the aforementioned uh, Peter from Canada, uh, the, there's still no release date for Super Robot Tyson OG. But there is a trailer, so if you go to Mr. Vent Noir's post here, Follow the link there, and you can actually check out the trailer, and it's pretty exciting because those games are always a little fun there. So thank you, Mr. Vent Noir. You're a great Australian. Stay out of prison. Um, <laughs> next one here comes from Necton GM, and mm-hmm. this is, uh, he's, uh, he's from Ohio, and uh, he's, got, he's actually got two things here, and this is, hmm. he must know that Chris, uh, Chris, is, Chris is part of the show. And uh, it, this is more <laughs> stuff that's going to prove us wrong because of one of our uh, I think if maybe years ago we said that this would never happen, but we've been we've been since 
uh, proved wrong on this, and, it, and it's good that we are. If you go to the Gundam Guy blog, there is a trailer of for the U.S. release of Today Gundam. Oh, snap! Yes. Announced at this year's Anime Expo 2011 by the Bandai Entertainment. Oh, yeah. By the way, I'm back in town, guys. I'll be getting those checks this week. Uh, <laughs> there's a... Yeah. There's a trailer there for Turn A Gundam, which is supposed to be released in the U.S. this fall. Fall is a couple, uh, it's a couple months there, so we're, gonna, we're not going to hold them to anything there. So <laughs> as long as they get us some time within there, we'll be okay. So definitely check that out. And um, I usually don't do this, but I'm going to do it um, because he posted this on here. And this is some more great stuff. And this is also from Mechton Junk Gundam. Uh, this is he posted this up from Mecha Damashi, and there are the original movies for MG, Mobile Suit Gundam. You know the one that started it all, MSG, not the not monosodium glutamate, but uh, you know this is uh, this is the stuff <laughs> where it's got got kids piloting mechs. Never thought that would happen, but uh, you can. They've been uploaded to YouTube, so you can definitely check that out. So anybody that hasn't seen any of seen the Gundam trilogy movies and if you're listening to this podcast I don't know why you wouldn't have by now unless you're a brand new listener of course but even if you are you need to watch them that's your homework for next uh, next episode so uh, definitely thank you Mr. Mecton GM for your submission there uh, you did overtime there and that, that's, that's a great thing but uh, wait a second before I go on mm-hmm. I think I'm getting something from the No Decision headquarters Chris Wanche reporting <laughs> Uh, Chris, uh, I think you have some news about the, the, the vote that was the very instrumental 2011 vote that we had going on, that was announced last episode. Uh, can, can, are you there, Chris? Can you hear me? We ha- uh, live from the shores of Tripoli, where our boys are fighting back <laughs> Rommel's tank cores. <laughs> Wait a second. Is this Chris or James May? I've <laughs> uh, got breaking news of an election result. Dewey defeats Truman. I mean, no, Wait. <laughs> so we've got the uh, we got a lot of posts on the episode 85 discussion thread regarding the neo jabman debate on I thought they smelled bad on the outside podcast and Solbro went and added a poll so mm-hmm. most of the comments in the thread were people agreeing with neo for various reasons and in the poll neo won the debate, according to the respondents, with 71% of the vote, and Jabman had 29% of the vote. Ooh. It breaks down that uh, I guess a lot of people agree with Neo in this case. A lot of people. Well, at least 71% of the people. People thought that Neo was a little hard on the show, and I guess they misconstrued the fact that he thought that the show was just not worth watching, but um, you don't really feel that way, do you? What, that's not worth watching? I mean, it's at least worth watching once, right? I, I mean, it's not horrible. It, yeah. I mean, we've, we've documented worse. I'm just going to, my point was, it's not good. And, yeah. you know, you can, and, and we can all watch things that are not good. But, I mean, if you're going to sit here and make just the crazy claims that Jabman was making, <laughs> then you, you got to bring something to the table on there. So that's, uh, that's basically, you know, my, my thoughts on that. So. Um, like Jabman said, he, we let the people speak. So there you go. And so they have spoken. <laughs> well, thank you, Mr. Chris, for your uh, for that for that news. And uh, it's journalism. It is journalism <laughs> of the it's highest caliber. It's in his blood. Look in out, Wolf Blitzer! Look out! In look his out. blood, and his blood is full. It's got a very high blood alcohol 
level right now. So and sure Maybe. does. <laughs> It's the only way he could do the show anymore. <laughs> I have become Dennis. They all... Oh, man. I wonder how he's doing in prison. Not well. No. no you it's, know. Been a, it's been a sobering experience for him. Badoosh. No. Had to go there, huh? All right. And another uh, submission here from... Back to the submissions. Another one from Vent Noir. And mm-hmm. um, normally... I don't do uh, two, but this is a groundbreaking one. I did it again because uh, this is actually very interesting. This is coming from the Anime News Network. There is going to be a Gundam arcade competition show that's going to debut next month in Japan. It's going to be called Feelings of Bonds Mobile Suit Gundam, the 07th Ikaru Team. Uh, it's going to be a weekly televised competition based on the Mobile Suit Gundam arcade game, and it's going to debut on October 4th. So, um, you know, it's, uh, you know they're, they're taking it to a new level there. So I guess uh, probably from, you know, all the renewed interest in Gundam and, and the popularity of the franchise in the games, uh, you know, we'll definitely have to check it out. I guess we'll have to uh, see if anybody is going to borrow that online so we can see, it, see what it is. Maybe we'll... <laughs> see what they're doing there. I, I could just imagine. I could just very much imagine. I'm sure everybody's going to be dressed in uh, Universal Century period costumes. <laughs> Sweet. Those normal suits are going to look badass. <laughs> well, I don't, May- I, don't, I don't think maybe normal suits, but probably the uniforms. But whatever. Hey. But uh, Or maybe the Saku hoodie. Never know. know. You never know, man. <laughs> but thank you, Mr. Bent Noir, for your um, submission there. And here's a, uh, another poster here, Furious Rodimus. And I know that we have a lot of Zone of Ender fans, even though there was only eight copies of those games made. A uh, lot of fans. Um, but there's some, uh, this is coming from Tomo Pop, and he's got a link there, some really cool uh, Revotex of the Anubis, uh, uh, Jahudi Anubis, uh, up for pre-order. So all those people into Revotex and uh, Zone of the Enders, definitely check that out. So they're going to be released uh, the J- Jehudi is going to be released in mid-November and the Anubis is going to be released in mid-December so definitely uh, check that out for all you guys collecting uh, Rebel Techs there and thank you Mr. Furious Rodimus for your submission again and uh, the next one here uh, is actually pretty interesting uh, I kind of take it with a grain of salt because that's what they say on the actual post here or actually on the actual website, but this is from Nick Izumi and uh, the Gundog Guy blog. There's some scans of H2 and H3, but you just, it's more or less, like they say in the Gundog Guy blog here, uh, it may or may not be totally authentic, but it's just kind of cool. It's just some stuff with some Gundams, and uh, they look a little bit like uh, some things that we've seen before, but, um, you know. We'll have to just check it out to see what's going on. So if you just like looking at scans of some possible new Gundams, uh, definitely check that out. And uh, thank you, Mr. Uh, Nick Azumi, for your submission. And um, next one here, is, and this will be our last one, and this is from Gundam Type Zero. And uh, this is coming from Japaninator. And there's a new energy drink. You know how we have like 14,000 energy drinks now uh, when you go to your local convenience store? Well, they got more. Uh, they have Gundam energy drinks. Uh, in Japan, and uh, there's six bottles here, right. and uh, the, they have different people on the labels. Uh, the, there's three for three for characters and three for suits. Uh, the ones for characters are Kars Armoro, uh, Bright, and Sela. Uh, for the suits, we have the RX-78-2 Gun Cannon, and the greatest of all the suits, the Gun Tank. And uh, <laughs> they're uh, they're going to be coming out uh, September 26th, and um, 
They're limited edition, and they and you can even win a limited edition gold or silver gunpla with them. So what? definitely, uh, definitely check that out. And, and thank you, Mr. Gundam Type Zero, for your um, uh, for your submission there. And thank you all those who submitted. And like I said, always, if you have any articles, go to the Mecha Talk forum, the Gundam at MHQ section, and the Neo's listeners submitted news thread articles thread to post them up there. So, like I had stated before, uh, normally this is the point where we'd have the mailbag, but we, as of this episode, we're moving it to the end so we can get you to the first segment quicker. Uh, that first segment's going to be the Pat Labor movie, movie one. Chris or Solberg, anything before we dive into some Pat Labor action? I'm ready, for, I'm ready for some Pat Labor. Let's do this. Chris, are you there? You wake up? You still drunk? <laughs> no, he, he said no. Okay, there you go. <laughs> But uh, we'll be back. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. You're driving along. You're driving along. And all of a sudden, the kids are yelling from the back seat. I gotta go to the bathroom, Daddy. Not now, Gun- damn it. Get rid of everything that creates hate. Everything that helps make it grow. Alright, everyone, this is Sil Bosby, and you've heard about Judo. Judo. Judo Washita. Judo and the Junkyard Kids. Well, this fall on WSBR, they're gonna be coming to your home. Uh, annoying pest. What are you looking at? <laughs> You're being mean, Judo. Why won't you play with me? Judo is under my control. Join Judo as they go against all the wackiness with the Mashima and the Junkyard guy. And you learn a little things in the end. That's it. This fall, Judo and the Junkyard kids are WSBR for your DBR favorites. Judo, you just watch. I'm going to get you this time. Hey guys, I am Sean Ryan, also known as the Grey Ghost. And I am Kevin Gray, also known as the Business and the LLC. And we are Method to Madness, a weekly podcast that cusses and discusses anime and video games. Yes. And other otaku subjects. That That is what we are here for. We are here to rip them up and sometimes build them up. The shows that we love, the shows that we hate, the shows that we watch so that you wouldn't have to. Go to thegreyghost.net or go check us out on iTunes. With whiskey. <laughs> this is so stupid, but awesome. That's why this is going to be great. Just got to uh, keep on trucking, yes sir! I'm going to go outside and make myself a nice big shiny first place medal, sit in the sun, and have a stupendous friggin' day! Gun damn it! Well, alright, you're messy. Would you make me a medal too? segment of Gundam at MAHQ 
is brought to you by Petco. Hey everybody, welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. This is Chris, and for this segment we are going to discuss the second in our series of conversations about Pat Labor with Pat Labor Roundup. Last time we did the OVA series, they kicked it all off and set that train in motion, so today we are continuing that with a discussion of Pat Labor the movie, which was released in Japanese theaters in 1989, was later licensed in America by manga entertainment and released on vhs and dvd and then once their license lap it was re-licensed re-released and redubbed on dvd by bandai visual before they went kablooey and was in fact bandai visual's first release oh wow when they charged you know 30 bucks for a dvd and not like 60 zillion <laughs> the good old days yeah when they 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 got it good right out the gate and then they screwed it up as as most as most uh japanese uh run domestic companies do they always always want to overcharge but um yep. so anyway pat labor the movie has the same creative team from the oav and you got mamoru oshi directing this feature film version of pat labor's story mm-hmm. and of course it's set in what was then the future it's set in 1999 right and the story starts off with one of the most interesting openings I've ever seen in a movie ever, and that is the villain committing suicide. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you don't have you don't have to worry about him. <laughs> he th- the hot dive was a bit too high. You, you'd think, <laughs> but um, it, it creates so many problems later on. But anyway, mm-hmm. in in this story, you've got. Um, the ongoing construction of the Babylon project and there's a facility that maintains it called the Ark and that's where they do repairs on a lot of the labors that are working on the Babylon project which is such a monstrous endeavor so a lot of the labors are being upgraded now with a new operating system called the hyper operating system that is like 30% or so more efficient Mm -hmm. and it's getting to the point where the Ingrams have to be updated with it because you know, now they're going to be slow compared to all these other labors. Right. And SV2 is investigating all these strange occurrences throughout Tokyo of labors going berserk and operating completely without manned control. Right. And as the investigation continues, they find out of another incident, which happened at the beginning of the movie, of a experimental SDF tank going berserk tank labor thing going berserk and running around on its own with nobody inside of it so eventually asuma pieces it all together only to discover that goto already had before him (laughs) as usually is the case as usual and with far less trouble than asuma went through to figure it out what they figure (laughs) out is that um, the guy who committed suicide aichi hoba he was the creator of the uh the hos and he worked at Shinohara Heavy Industries, which of course is the company owned by Asuma's dad. Right. And he spent time in America, and as they felt the trail investigating his life, they found that the dude was like heavily into, you know, the Bible and Judeo-Christian stuff and um, left a bunch of clues about himself so that someone would find this out. Mm-hmm. And what happens is that um, that Hoba thinks that, uh, you know, the world is screwed up and, you know, he has a plan to bring everything down and fix everything. So basically he put a back door into the HOS that he created and that back door allows the labors to go berserk when he's planned. Right. And these labor berserk incidents are all part of that because all of these labors have this HOS. So basically it's a Trojan that's in there. Mm-hmm. And they're all going berserk 
when they're near places of certain levels of wind vibration. So after piecing it all together, Asuma and everyone from SV2 discover that um, the plan is for the Ark to serve as basically a massive whistle that will set off every labor in Tokyo all at once when a typhoon passes through. And it just so happens that there's a typhoon (laughs) that's about to pass through. (laughs) So So in the end, it comes down to uh, SV2. They travel out to the Ark in the middle of Tokyo Bay, and they have a battle against all of these berserk laborers because they're trying to purge the Ark and destroy it in the middle of this typhoon before the winds reach that speed where it would set off all of the laborers around Tokyo and cause them all to go to berserk and cause untold damage. Exactly. So this was my introduction to the Pat Labor franchise way back in 1998. I got Ooh. the first two movies on dubbed VHS, completely mm-hmm. blind purchase, and I was not disappointed in the slightest. So, Sobro, why don't you tell us when you first got introduced to the Pat Labor movies? I actually never saw the Pat Labor movies at all until just this week. And um, I watched this one, um, of course, being fresh off of the OVA. And, I, you know, it was Mamoroshi is the pedigree behind it. So I was already familiar with his previous work. And it was interesting to see a movie that predated Ghost in the Shell and Jinro and some of the other movies that he had done. And to sit there and, and, and to see the Pat Labor crew who had just been introduced, well, reintroduced to through the OVA in, in kind of a in, a in a much more polished format, which this movie was where you know it's they, they looked a little bit different from from what you're used to seeing them uh in in the in the ova series but you know they're still familiar um i, I thought this movie was it, it was it was it was it carried the same flavor that the ova series did with 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 just a lot more going on you had the the set piece in the beginning where the uh where that one berserk labor is cutting a swath through <laughs> a neighborhood in, in in tokyo and i just I, I thought that whole scene was was so well directed and very cinematic and and that's oshi's style it, it's very it's very cinematic when he makes these movies he, he tries to make them with the sensibility of a film director and um it was cool to see that pat labor had that approach to it in this film well he he, he is a film director he is <laughs> he, he is but i mean like you, you you could tell you could tell when something are, are you insulting this man i'm not by saying I'm not. that he's not a film director <laughs> Even though it's animated, no, he's I'm still just, a film I'm director. I'm from years of watching animated, oh, animated products. Oh, you guys suck. Uh, <laughs> years well, of watching no, animated. I mean... <laughs> no, you're right, you're right, you're right. I'm not trying to insult the man at all. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is that I, I've, I've watched a lot of films, um, animated films, that look like you know they were just made uh, as, as just, you know, with cartoon sensibilities, and if this is, is made with, with, a, with a very cinematic eye. And, you know, there's, there's moments where characters are, are not even speaking speaking yet you can still you can feel what's going on and, and sense that there's still communication going on between those characters and he he's he's a master at that when when it comes to uh those moments in these movies and then just shots of uh of of, of the scenery that the characters inhabit and 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 just the still moments are are are, are, are so enjoyable and yet you know there's 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 a, and, and this movie's loaded with dialogue so to some people they might find this boring but i never was bored one second when watching this movie when um when when the characters were discussing the case at hand and uh Asuma's off investigating and 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 um 
doing all the legwork behind the scenes in order to to figure out what this uh what this threat what would trigger this threat and i found that completely interesting and um all the characters it just seemed as as with the original uh pat labor oav it's it continues that sense of an ensemble piece you think that uh noah is the main character in all this and she's the she's the main pilot that you focus on the one that you expect to get the job done but she by no means to me feels like the main character she feels like a, a, a crucial part of the ensemble that's here and i i i, I I love this movie for showing how this entire team works and how they all came together to, to solve this case. I think it's a great film overall, uh, especially the final set piece was incredible. Um, when they had to, to get into the arc and, and um, make that mad dash for the control center. And then um, the the final fight between uh, uh, Izumi and, uh, and uh, Clancy's uh, uh, type zero suit that she was in and the fact that she was uh, out pretty much outmatched because the suit was uh, of course berserk that her opponent was berserk and also had the HOS in there which made that suit more advanced than hers in the way it performed yet Izumi stood toe to toe with it and and figured out that she could uh, use her suit in order to 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 uh, to, to to at least pin down the her opponent to to jump on the suit herself to destroy that uh the 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 the, the computer on the back of it to uh to get it to shut down and it was just the way it was completely directed and 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 played out was was exhilarating to me i i, I love this movie and when i watched it last night I, I i started watching it again just uh uh just that last portion again because i i was i was so enamored by it but i thought this movie was incredible and uh i'll stop rambling on neil what did you think um well, I mean, to Chris's first question, I saw it probably uh, maybe a year or two before Chris did. I think maybe '96 or '97. Mm-hmm. Saw it the first time when I was in college. At the there was a foreign film thing, and you know they they sometimes would play a lot of anime in there. And then I saw it there, and I believe they yeah they used to play this and the other uh, the other Pat Labor movies on Stars uh, a couple years ago. I don't know Ooh, if they yeah, still do. Stars, I don't know. If, well, Stars. Um, I guess they have like a deal with manga. They they would yeah. play manga stuff, which this no longer is. But they right. still play like Macross plus a zillion times on Stars. And back in the day, <laughs> yeah, they did used to air this. Yeah, they used to air it, and I used to watch it when back uh, when Stars was kind of a, a a channel that just kind of um, you know was was starting out. So, but I hadn't seen it in a while. And, um, you know, once again, it, it, it's one of those shows that uh, holds the test of time. I mean, it, it really does. I mean, I know we, we, we say that a lot and we talk that a lot about a lot of shows. But I think with this, uh, no, no more is the, the issue that's addressed in this movie more prevalent than it is probably till today with the threat of codes or viruses or Trojans left yep. in mass marketing products or something like that through a disgruntled or maybe somehow mentally unstable or person, uh, you know, like a hobo was. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, um, very prevalent to that. And, and once again, you know, the whole investigative thing with Ozma and, and what he has to do. And, of course, like um, uh, Chris stated, Goda's, he's always one step ahead and always does it with the least amount of uh, effort needed. <laughs> so, but, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's one of these shows where it's like we even talked about with the OPAs. I mean, uh, Mecca is... There's mechas in it. Are they the driving force of it to an extent, but also to an extent not because it, it does have that. It's got that good storytelling of, you know, police drama. Um, I know sometimes when you hear police drama, you can get really burnt out with like the 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 uh, plethora of police dramas and things that are especially in the <laughs> no, United this, States. This ain't, this ain't no CSI. Yeah, it's no it's. 
It's no CSI, no, definitely not. It's real but, police uh, work. It is real <laughs> police work. But, um, you know, it, it is, uh, it's, it's definitely one of these shows that, or it's definitely one of these movies that, um, you know, if you are a, a interested in Mecca and, you, you know, you like your real robots and stuff especially, I don't know if you could get any more realer than, uh, you know, police robots. And um, it, it's just, it was so well balanced. And I like the, I like the fact of the, I always like it when the villain is kind of gone or you can't see him. You know, it's got that. It's got that thing like Ghost in the Shell. You know, Ghost in the Shell later on, uh, you know, took that theme and, and ran with it, where you have this person who is disgruntled or you know disillusioned with society and life that they put these things into these these programs, and then mm-hmm. through whatever for whatever reason they're just not around anymore. And you have the you see all the effort of these people trying to find these people that don't re- that don't exist anymore. And trying to get into their mind of, you know, Hoba had, he was able to erase all of, all of the history on him. I mean, just the regular, uh, just the normal history that you would have, like where he, where he went to school and everything like that. This guy was able to infiltrate all these networks and go into there. And, and the fact that you have a simple thing like Residence from Wind would set off the, the Pat Labors, mm-hmm. uh, right there, it just shows you, you know, how intelligent that this character was. And, you know, without you know, without the 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 way, it's kind of the out of the box thinking that Goda and, and even Ozma have, um, you know, it, it would it would that most likely the event would have happened, and you would have had rampaging um, rampaging pat labors throughout uh, Tokyo. And I think there is like a screenshot, and there's something. Is it was it twenty five hundred or twenty five thousand pat labors that were in in the in the uh, Tokyo area. I think it was 2500, wasn't it? Well, when they la- show that labors cuz labors. labors or labors, yeah. I'm sorry. Pat labors would be the the police units. Yeah, right. yeah something like there were something like 2500 at least, which yeah. you know, look at all the damage that was caused by just a few running around berserk. Imagine every single one exactly. being berserk because I think the estimate was that 98% of laborers in Tokyo had already been upgraded to the HOS. Yep. And I, I love the I love the fact that uh, was it was it Shinge the uh, the mechanic. Shinge, he's, yeah, he he lied. Yeah, he's like he's <laughs> like, like yeah. Did you guys notice that uh, that no no there's no there's no change in performance? I don't trust outside software. <laughs> I just lied about it and said that I did it. Yeah, he just <laughs> what he changed the welcome screen to reflect that it was yeah, installed. He changed, yeah, he changed like the login screen and he faked you know the registry or something some <laughs> registry hack and like but it's true it's like didn't you guys notice there was no performance increase <laughs> <laughs> i freaking goto <laughs> goto knew and yeah. didn't say nothing so didn't goto tell y'all <laughs> and, and, and after asuma went through all of this trouble trying to figure it out it's like you didn't do it yeah didn't you know <laughs> i just love that yeah it's it, it's it's really good stuff i mean um so rarely do you have franchises and shows that you know, throughout their incarnations, um, you know, they, 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 you know, deliver with what they originally delivered on. And I, I know we might be going ahead of ourselves, but as we go through this roundup, you'll, you'll definitely see that as we go through the, the next round of movies and the television series. So, yeah, there's so many things that work about this movie. Mm-hmm. For one, the core of the story, the you know the technology conspiracy plot is very far ahead of its time. If you think about oh, yeah. when this was made in 1989, mm-hmm. you know the idea of a guy using putting a Trojan into software, an operating system that's used by everyone, so that he can accomplish his own nefarious goals, must have seemed pretty out there back then. But these days, 22 years later, that's completely run of the mill. 
Yeah. I mean, that's much more conceivable as happening now. I mean, we've we've seen you know Trojans being put into programs, and you know all the stuff of like the government demanding back doors into programs so they can go snoop around, and you know people having viruses and attacking government infrastructure of various government computers around the world. You know, that's we've reached that point. Yes, we have. I think that's the number one threat. Like, I believe that like Department of Homeland Security has outside of you know the normal um, you know mass terrorist attack that we saw with 9-11 is the fact of uh, computer shutdowns or computer infiltrations where you just have a whole disruption of society and, you know, it would just cause chaos, probably more probably more so on a grand scale than even something like a 9-11 would cause. I mean, you imagine, you imagine everything going berserk in our world right now because everything's controlled with that. Traffic, power, water, um, you know, even... You know, even your even our cars now are becoming connected to the to the internet. So I mean, they yeah. might not even start. So who knows? It, uh, it definitely took us a little longer technologically to catch up to where the setting of Pat Labor was, but we've we've made it to that point. You know, minus the robots. Yeah. Minus the robot. <laughs> Always at this that qualifier. Minus the robots. Hey, we're getting you know, there. <laughs> we're getting there, but I mean, we're at that point where, you know, computers are so heavily integrated into what we do that we take it for granted mm-hmm. that, you know, they could turn against us by by someone's design. So that was definitely very forward thinking of the plot there to have that in 1989. Um, the other thing about Hobo Suicide that works so great in this movie is you don't have a villain. They're not trying to chase the villain and capture him because they can't. He's dead. Yeah. They're trying to figure out what he did yeah. and what's going to happen as a result of what he did. So that makes it a very different type of police movie because a lot of police movies are trying to capture the villain. He ends up being the ghost in the machine and basically yeah. they're chasing. They're chasing <laughs> after a dead man. Yeah. And I like that it splits off into two investigations because we have Asuma on the technical end trying to figure out what's the problem with the HOS and what is the point of all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And then you have on the other track, you have Matsui and his partner doing the old-fashioned police work of getting down into the trenches, you know, visiting all of these, like, run-down old shacks that Hoba used to live in and piecing together what kind of a man he was and why he's doing what he's doing so they can understand what his his plot is what his goal is mm-hmm. yeah the old and, fashioned uh, the old fashioned police canvassing the neighborhood yeah talking can. to people yeah. and you see visually how it works because you have Matsui and his partner going through like all of these old rundown neighborhoods of old wooden houses that are all being torn down to make way for you know the glittering new skyscrapers of you know, the new Tokyo. Yeah. And you see that contrast and you see Hobo's problems with society right there visually without a word even being said or anything being explained to you. Yeah, they and what's, established- and what's and what's great about sorry, but what's great about those scenes is there's usually very little music and usually no real talking except kind of towards the end of the show. Or towards yeah, the end a little of the bit of percussion, goes. some drums, because yeah. uh, Kenji Kawai, he's a master when he works with Oshi. Well, he's a, he does this on his own anyway, but he's a master of being able to use just one or two instruments to set the mood perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. You just hear a little bit of drums in the background as Matsui and his partner are going around all of these different um, neighborhoods searching out things, and it just makes everything work perfectly together. 
that it does. Also, it's kind of interesting, you know, this whole message of like, you know, economic development and, and you know, the future and progress. I think it's kind of interesting that this came in 1989 when Japan was still an economic powerhouse mm-hmm. before, you know, things started going bad economically for the country in the 90s. So that point of view is very different from had this movie been made 10 years later. Oh, yeah. It's a very, very interesting, um, you know, just coincidence of the time because right there at the 80s, it was right at the end of Japan's, you know, golden age of economic prosperity, as evidenced by the fact that we don't have anime movies like this anymore that are so, (laughs) that are hand-drawn and so uh, detailed and everything. Yeah, that, exactly. It, it, another another mark of the of, of an end of an era. Um, let's see what else. While this movie definitely doesn't have much action, what does what it does have works. You mm-hmm. know that that first scene, that first chase scene, uh, culminating with Oda freezing himself. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's a nice little bit of humor because if you notice, this movie uh, doesn't quite have the same level of comedy mm-hmm. as the OAV does. No, not at all. Or as the TV show does, and in fact, none of the movies do. Yeah, yeah, they're all pretty serious. Would yeah. you say? Th- would you say this is uh, the probably the most lighthearted out of uh, out of the three? Then probably, co- yeah. comparatively speaking, and of course, as Sobro kind of alluded to, everything looks different. The character yeah. designs are more realistic rather than the more cartoony look of the TV show and the OAVs. And that carries through on all three of the movies. Yeah, all, all the labors are a little bit more angular and you know a little bit more real-world looking. And then, of course, the All the people designs. are more real-world looking. They don't have big, giant eyes yeah. <laughs> spaced apart very far. Again, they, look, you... they look more... Everyone looks more Japanese because one of the things I always thought was so amusingly odd about the TV show and the OAV was that Kanuka Clancy is only half Japanese, but was the most Asian-looking of all of the characters. Isn't yeah. it hilarious? <laughs> Her eyes were so angular. <laughs> speaking of Kanuka, mm-hmm. one of the moments that I love in this movie, and it's only like 10 seconds, is when Kanuka arrives at the airport in Tokyo, yeah. mm-hmm. and um, the guy asks her, like, oh, what are you here for? And in the Japanese version, she just answers in English, combat, after taking off <laughs> sunglasses. <laughs> oh, that's, that's so Kanuka. <laughs> just right to the point. <laughs> Yeah, which, you know, if th- these days, if you're coming mm-hmm. into the airport somewhere and they oh, ask man. you what's the nature of your visit and you say combat, <laughs> you're going you're, you're, you're to have your legs spread, you're going to be anally probed, <laughs> you're going to be shipped off to Guantanamo. <laughs> you're going to be <laughs> you're going to be having a nice sit down with uh <laughs> with Homeland Security. Yeah. Well, sure she has credentials to back that up. So, you know. I know, I, I, but still it's it's yeah. it's just not something that you would say to these days. Not now not, not nowadays. Business or pleasure. There's no other choice. Yeah. The action sequence at the end was great with all of the berserk labors in oh, the yeah. arc and of course the final boss battle against the Type 0 being berserk and um you know, it's not surprising that the Type Zero would be the final boss because mm-hmm. for a police labor, it was totally evil looking. As as Izumi pointed out, as Izumi pointed out, she's like, "Isn't that kind of? It looks kind of evil." Nice. Like, gee, I wonder if this robot's gonna end up being a villain at the end. God dang! And for it to get taken out by a Mossberg is so awesome. <laughs> Which is just a great scene because you have the arc has you know you had this typhoon mm-hmm. passing through and destroying everything. The arc collapsed. It the remaining part it tumbled over sideways so every it's a miracle everyone's alive and then you have the uh the ingram and these hype zero fighting in this rubble yeah and the way that uh that izumi basically had to put everything on the line and have her her precious alphonse get really beaten up absolutely oh, yeah. <laughs> 
you know, just to be able to uh, to land that killing blow on the um, the computer of the the Type Zero. It was a great mm-hmm. scene. The way she yeah. had to switch to being on foot, which is not the way it normally works out. Yeah, it was a devil David and Goliath type moment where she just um she decided to sacrifice the Alphonse, which is something she does not like to do, as you well know. No, but, I mean um... she panics, you know, just when it gets <laughs> the slightest scratch on it. Yeah, you know, and usually. Except for in the TV show, the arcs where they're fighting um, Shaft's, like, super-powered labors, usually mm-hmm. the Ingrams have the power advantage. Mm-hmm. So this is putting her in a position she's not used to being in. Exactly. But uh, she, she came through, man. <laughs> for, for her to just pilot as, uh, as quickly as she did and, and to think on her feet like she did, you know, in, in such a high-pressure situation. And, and just the way that scene looked with the sun rising in the background, the storm finally um, passing through, and uh, that, that, that Type Zero coming in for the kill with... Uh, like a Western standoff. Yeah, it absolutely was, man. I just love uh, when, she was, when she was wailing on it with that, with that, with that Mossberg and you just, just, just the kickback of that gun. And she's just shooting the CPU towards the end. It's just—it's so well directed. I—I got to give it up to Oshi. And the way I, she's I, even I just like. Well, I hope I hope you do after you insulted him earlier. <laughs> the- the way she's squirming around Ooh. its body and it's turning its head and she's dodging so she doesn't get whacked by its antenna. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just great attention to small little bits of detail. Yes, it was. Absolutely. So, gentlemen, any other comments about this first movie? Watch it. Especially if you're coming off the OVA, um, you should just run right into this movie because you will not be disappointed. Uh, or if it, you it, haven't seen anything at all, this is a good place to start, too. Now, for for t- today's uh, anime viewer, you might be used to more short attention span theater, and you might not be used to this era of filmmaking. But um, <laughs> in other words, you're dumb, is what Solbro is saying. Uh, no, not necessarily. Yeah, but, but, it's, uh, it's, but it's only but, but, it's only an hour. It's only a little over an hour and a half long. So it's not. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's short. It's not one of these ones where it's like two and a half hours long. So if I, you're, you know. I just want to prepare them. There's not a mecha scene every act. The second act is is long, but it's very interesting and the Story, the story pushes forward at a very great pace. Is and this not the Double O movie where you yeah. have like massive battles every every seven or eight minutes? Yeah, it's it's a different kind of beast, and if you're open minded for that, you're gonna love this movie. I, I definitely give it a, a four four and a half stars. Yeah, if you like if you like Mamoru Oshii's slow paced style, like in Ghost in the Shell. Mm-hmm. Then you'll like this, and of course, in my review, I gave it a five, and that that still holds true. Oh wow! I um, I give it a, a four and three quarters, four point <laughs> seven five. A split difference there. That doesn't work that way. Oh man! A f- uh, four and a half. All right, there you go. Uh, but I'm also going to introduce in this episode mm-hmm. a new a new scale that I'm going to use in addition Uh-oh. to the MHQ scale. Go for it's it. Called, it's called the Bay Factor. The Bay uh, Factor. <laughs> It, uh, it goes 1 through 12, with 12 being the highest, because usually 10 is normally the highest, and then, of course, Spinal Tap does 11, so Michael Bay has to do 12. Um, mm-hmm. I would give the scenes in this, because the Bay Factor only at, goes to action scenes. Right. We don't worry about this drama and story development. We just worry about action scenes. I would say with the Bay Factor here, I would give it a 9.5. Oh, a nine and a half in the Bay Factor because once again, like I said, I'm only talking about the action scenes, and I mm-hmm. think even though these are different than what you normally would think of when you're uh, when you're thinking of like a mecha combat and stuff, I think they're just so well done that well, I think you need to introduce a third rating system, Neo, oh. and this one's just perfect for you. What's that? The Oda Destruction Scale. <laughs> Given the amount of destruction that occurs in this movie, what would you rate it on the Oda Destruction Scale? What, 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 what's, what's the range on the Oda Destruction Scale? Whatever you want. Okay. Um, I would say... How many well, Odas does it get? <laughs> I 
think I would give it uh, four out of five frozen Otis. There, there you go, man. Freaking the, an- the the anime tackleberry. I just I just love the I just love the fact I just love that they they uh they snuck in uh freeze bullets in his gun because <laughs> they were so worried about giving him they're like you can't give him a weapon no no just give it to him <laughs> <laughs> nice one thing that I want to mention that uh, could have mentioned in the first segment but it applies to all of the Pat Labor is that unfortunately Pat Labor is probably next to Gundam probably the most inconsistently dubbed franchise. <laughs> of anime ever released in America mm-hmm. because almost everything was released by somebody else. Yeah, It's a I... giant cluster of a mess. <laughs> you have uh, Mangler, who released the first two movies, so they mm-hmm. did their own dub, which was pretty meh. It's not, not that great. I right. would not recommend watching it. Then you had Central Park Media. They released the TV show and the two OVAs. They did their own dub with their own set of characters. And hell, they couldn't even finish the dub of the second OVA because the third disc of it says, presented in the fan-favorite Japanese. <laughs> like, no, you guys just couldn't afford to do the dub, and, and you're just trying to market it that way like it's some special thing and not a deficiency. We, we planned on this. <laughs> yeah. We planned this on was... not having a dub for the last, like, five episodes, even though, like, the previous 10 or 11 do. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's the ticket. Then uh, Pioneer, this is way back before they became Genion, mm-hmm. they released the third movie oh, yeah. with their own dub crew. Oh, jeez. And then when Bandai Visual came in and re-released the first two movies, they redubbed them with yet another dub crew. <laughs> I would say, unfortunately, if you're a dub viewer, you're pretty yeah, you, you're pretty pretty screwed in in, in, screwed. in, in, in regards to this. Because um, I noticed um, when I, I watched a little bit of the uh, English dub of the OVAs, and then I, I quickly I quickly turned that off and went right to Japanese. And then uh, I listened to the English dub of this movie, and I noticed that the voices definitely weren't consistent at all. So um, yeah, if anything, it's it's one of those cases where uh, it every part of this series we met a different set of hands, and yeah. um, and the outcome's different. But at least it's consistent in Japanese. It I'll is. That to the bank. You, you can't. <laughs> go wrong with that because it's it's got quite a mecha powerhouse cast you've got Asimo who's played by the same guy who played Kai in Gundam mm-hmm. uh, Kanuka is played by the chick who did Sela God rest her soul <laughs> uh, be- believe it or not mm-hmm. Captain Goto was played by the guy who was Exodor in oh, Macross yeah that's right wow Oh man! Yeah, so you got you got quite a cast there, and you can't go wrong. At least there, it's all consistent. It's the same people from beginning to end in every incarnation. So yeah, don't don't bother with the English because the English is a mixed bag. Even Central Park Media, I've listened to some of the dub. It's, it's a little 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 inconsistent. So just yeah. go with the Japanese. <laughs> I, th- I think the other thing that we f- forgot to mention with the kickoff of Pat Labor uh, Roundup is that it's it's the one show or it's the one franchise that should still be in circulation but will probably not going to be (laughs) currently is not (laughs) so yeah for this movie if you're out there finding it on dvd you can um you can probably find it on ebay or maybe amazon because the re-release by bandai visual from a few years ago was pretty widely distributed so there Mm -hmm. should still be copies out there hopefully not too expensive although there is the uber expensive fancy version that comes with like a book Right. It's like 80 bucks, and you can avoid that. Just just get the, the movie-only disc. And sadly, there is a Blu-ray in Japan that is not available Ooh. here, so yeah, too bad. Too bad if, you, for us. if you like Japanese and no subtitles, you can order it. 
Yeah. If you like that, so pay like 80 or 90 bucks plus shipping. There you so, go. There international you go. shipping. Aim for the top. So that uh, that wraps up this segment of Pelipper Roundup. Uh, next time, although not next episode, we'll be discussing the TV series. So won't be here for a while because these two guys, they got to they gotta watch it. And I have to finish reviewing on MHQ, which I'm only just under halfway through. So it'll be a while, but we will get to it. We will. Just, just hang tight. So... We'll be back in a minute with our next topic. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. Hey, Ricky, how you doing? Lee, I see you got everything under control, man. I'm going to go downstairs and the gun... Damn! What happened to rain? If you're into sports, working out, or just need a new pair of shoes, and you're a proud listener of Gundam at MAHQ, well, we got the thing for you. If you go to Gundam.net, you can click on the Champs banner and receive 10% off a $50 or more purchase by entering the code AFMAHQCH or 15% off of a $75 or more purchase using the code AFGUNDCH. If you're a fan of the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, college sports, or even stuff like Major League Soccer and a lot of your uh, premiership soccer jerseys, definitely go to champsports.com for all those needs. And also visit them because they have some great deals on footwear and other products. We, the hosts of Gundam at MHQ, visit champsports.com for all of our footwear and sporting good needs. You should, too. Greetings. I am Andrew Cook, the host of Pretentious Internet Theater. Each month, I bring you the finest in literature that internet fan fiction has to offer. Join us, won't you? At tinyurl.com slash pitpodcast. Remember, there is much drama on the internet, but only the best makes pretentious internet theater. I don't give a goddamn who you are. This is America, Jack. Now you say one more word about Lisa here, and I'm gonna break my foot off in your royal ass. This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is sponsored by Champ Sports. Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. In this segment, we're going to be taking it back to an oldie but a goodie. That's right. In 1987, Gynax, if I, if I if recall correctly, um, released their first full-length feature movie, also produced by Bandai Visual. And that movie is none other than 
Royal Space Force, The Wings of Honiamis. This movie's been around for quite some time. Um, I, 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 I personally came across it uh, when I was in high school on a fan sub tape. And um, as many movies, anime movies I saw at the time, I didn't appreciate it at all. <laughs> but we'll get into that. But uh, to break down the story, you have kind of a... Uh, this movie it starts off in a world that is uh you can't really peg down what era it's in because it's kind of a fantasy version of earth but um you say it's an alternate it's an alternate alternate reality yeah Yeah. that that would be a better better thing to say but um it's alternate reality where um you've got uh a mixture of uh technology in 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 the presented in this reality where some some technology is uh modern day like when it comes to the uh to the jets and the uh and the, the 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 flying vehicles, but then you've got uh, some other forms of technology that look very retro, like um, the television and some other some some other forms of technology that are presented. But your main character, his name is a Shiro Ladat. He uh, has always had a dream of flying, and um, he was of course denied that dream as he grew grew older when he was in school, and his grades did not reflect those um, who would be admitted to be become pilots in the um the royal navy which is the way you'd become a pilot in this world and so he ended up joining the uh, the royal space force which is kind of looked on by the public as a kind of a failed project <laughs> and, uh, and a failed uh, form of the military because not they haven't been successful with launching anybody into space and he kind of joins a ragtag bunch as um as one of the cadets that's um, training to become an astronaut and we join him and his crew uh, and the other people that he's uh that he's in league with as they um, are reveling in the death of a, uh, a test pilot that just died during a failed launch. And um, we get to know pretty much the circumstances of that person's death. We don't really get to know that person, but we see them and how they're dealing with it. And it almost seems like another day at the office. <laughs> but um, uh, we, we, we follow them on their on their day-to-day and watch them train. And then they go into the city and, and, and um, enjoy the, uh, the comforts of... Uh, of, of being the uh, underdogs that they are and uh, Ladat runs into uh, a, a young girl named R- uh, Rikini is that how you pronounce it? Damn if I know I really don't know who is a, a kind of a religious zealot but she's a nice girl and kinda yeah <laughs> She uh, she's handing out all these pamphlets trying to save people's uh, souls and and have them redeemed uh, uh, um, based upon the religion that she believes in that uh, I guess is the, the premier religion in this world or maybe it's some kind of small time religion but it's based in God and redemption and 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 foretells of a uh, of of doom and gloom in the future and uh, he kind of he he finds her cute but you know he, he kind of passes off what uh, she believes in in the beginning anyway and uh, throughout this throughout the story in this. Uh, he, he he goes to visit her, and um, when he goes to visit her, he he becomes pretty enamored with her, and um, he finds purpose in his own life. He almost was uh, about to leave the Royal Space Force at one point because he became disillusioned with his dream of flying, and then he finally gets a second wind and wants to become a volunteer for the next launch. So he um he becomes that volunteer and he starts to train and he uh becomes pretty uh pretty uh. Uh, what's it motivated in order to become that 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 one pilot that will make it into space and be the first man to orbit the planet and um the story goes along and follows him and his, his, him as he grows closer to this uh to to uh rikini and uh, what was um, um she's also re- uh, living with rikini is also a young girl named mana and i know she's related to her but was that her cousin or her I daughter it's just some girl that she took in because she mentions 
that this girl's parents used to fight all the time and yada yada. Yeah. So it's just an orphan that she took in. It's funny because they have the same last name, but maybe because she adopted her. Who knows? But um, yeah, she uh, Rikini also lives with a, a young girl that she uh, takes care of named Mana, who's kind of mute, but um, and and also very uh, standoffish and 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 you can see the and ugly and ugly and and something that. Uh, <laughs> Let's not forget and, that. And a little disturbed, but um, she grows close to uh, Shirosu as well, and uh, she finally um, becomes connected to him too. But uh, then you have the uh, the final act where uh, they finally get the okay to launch, but they have to launch in a dematerial. De- uh, sorry, demilitarized. demilitarized zone. I was about to say dematerialized. What's wrong with me? Too much Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, I tell you. <laughs> but they have to launch their rocket in a demilitarized zone. Which is uh, which which would allow their rocket to be seized by oncoming uh enemy forces, and um, it's it's employed by the government because they think that the um the whole pro the whole project is a failure, and they want a, they they want an excuse pretty much to start another conflict. So um they they with even even with those uh even with those uh daring uh circumstances, they still decide to uh, take the rocket out there and launch it, and um lo and behold, even in the midst of a battle that's ongoing. As they launch that rocket, they're they're successful in getting uh, Shirosu into space, and it, it's 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 an incredible journey that uh, all these characters go on. But uh, before I continue on, I will uh, I will pass the mic over to Chris to give his opinion of this movie. Well, it's funny, uh, kind of like the Palibur movies. My mm-hmm. first exposure was to the pan and scan cropped dub VHS tape released by Mangler, <laughs> and it was another blind buy because back in the day. When Mangler was at the top of their game in the U.S. anime market in the '90s, right? You know they had trailers for like everything everywhere. Yeah. yeah. You know you watched like say Ninja Scroll or Ghost in the Shell, you would see trailers for Macross Plus, for yeah. Pat Labor, for Wings of Honiamis, and back in those days they were really great at making good trailers that caught your attention. Yes, indeed. And Honiamis has so much great visual uh, design and so many great scenes that make for a good trailer. Yeah. And watching this movie again just now for the first time in at least a decade, I recalled all of these little parts that were from the trailer as I was watching them because they stand out so well. And the thing about this movie is, like you mentioned, it was Gainax's first feature production after having done the the Daikon convention shorts. Mm -hmm. And... It's a miracle this movie was even made back when it was because it certainly wouldn't be made today. It no. certainly wouldn't be. It's a very non-commercial movie, you know, and yeah. it was not. It didn't do well when it came out, and it sort of has become a cult classic over time mm-hmm. that has been a lot more appreciated. But it definitely was a bomb when it came out because if you look at it, it's kind of like a like an Oshi movie. It's very slowly paced. Yes, mm-hmm. there's only two action scenes in the whole movie, both in the second half. First, the um, assassination attempt, attempt on on Shirotsu. Yep. Which is a great scene, and then the uh, the start of that war during the launch of the rocket, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. it. The rest of the movie is you know just the story of Shirotsu and all of these uh, space force guys. It's a slice of life. <laughs> yeah, please. And one of the things I love about this movie is it's such a weird world because mm. it's this kind of like strange retro world. It's it's you know humans and it's like a different Earth, but everything just looks so alien and so bizarre. Yes, it does. And one thing that always occurs to me every time I watch this movie, and and maybe you guys have noticed this too, that one of the things that makes this world stand out is that everything about it—the clothes, the technology, the buildings—everything looks so overly complicated and badly designed yeah. <laughs> and, and and very colorful yeah. yeah 
like those, um, what is it, the trolleys that they have. They're mm -hmm. very colorful, but then, like you say, the way that they they run, it looks like they're so overcomplicated, just kind of needlessly complicated exactly. for whatever needlessly reason. complicated. Like, everything just looks yeah. very badly designed. The buildings, everything. Like, everything oh, looks like it's just over-designed. It, it's really weird, but it kind of gives a character. Um, it's for, like, example, it, mm -hmm. for example, uh, there's a scene where Shirotsu's getting photographed, and the photographers are wearing the camera flashes on hats heads, yes. yeah. that are connected to the cameras and that is just so dumb <laughs> but it, it sticks really out because it's yeah. so dumb like yeah. how backwards is it that these people they wear flashes on their heads and they think they can build a rocket to launch a man into space yeah you you have no faith in them to to actually accomplish such a complicated goal because of the way their um their technology is the only thing the only thing that is represented in the technology that looks like it works competently is their aircraft That's yeah it. otherwise everything else looks like shit <laughs> even look at their tvs it's like the tvs are these weird black and white screen things that mm -hmm. they just look so dumb like they don't they look they don't even look like they work right yeah and they well, don't what, a, what about the part when he when they're in the computer brain and they're yeah. doing maintenance on that and they're pulling out these panels that just look like a bunch of junk put on panels yeah and they don't even know what they're doing almost it's almost like they're just kind of doing it just kind of going through the motions and you're just wondering yeah. how in the hell is this gonna what how does that even make computations it's, a, it's like a steampunk world without the steam dude sort of <laughs> yes and the fact also that's being built in a junkyard yeah yeah that's it what i like about this movie is we we have this story of this it starts off with a very lazy guy, this guy yes. Shidotsu, who had a dream that got crushed of being able to fly, and it's evident by you know he shows up to he shows up late to the funeral for his comrade, yep. out of uniform and and he's dirty shaven. <laughs> and, and and his reason is I overslept. I, I overslept because I was napping on the roof. Oh, yeah. Man. You know, he's just as unmotivated as all these other guys. Mm -hmm. Then he meets this religious chick who, you know, makes him it awakens something in himself. Yeah. And he suddenly does a complete 180 and he decides, you know, fuck it. I'm going to I'm going to go all in on this. I want to be the first man to go into space and mm -hmm. he becomes very dedicated to this and it's not just a whim. I mean, he really has changed his life. Yeah. You know, he he starts training, he starts exercising, he starts trying to learn all this stuff. Yep. And um of course he becomes a public celebrity. And and the, 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 it's cool that you bring that up because uh there's a weird juxtaposition with his character where he is is a celebrity but kind of hates the fact that um he's starting to see that society is kind of ailing and yeah. that um that people are complaining that they're putting all this money into this uh into this endeavor to go into into space but yet you got a bunch of poor people out there and it kind of rang it kind of reminded me of um the current state of NASA right now um in regards to that and it's funny cuz they helped out with this uh with the production of this movie and it there's just a weird kind of commentary that's in this film that was made way back in 1987 the funny thing though is that yeah all the poor people are complaining about the money being wasted uh, yeah. in the space program but then even realizes that the money in the space program is a half-assed effort. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And it's, and, it, and it's like illegal too. Yeah. It's through. It's being funded through like illegal means. Because yeah. like through blackmail. That whole thing it's being that, funded, funded through the black market. Yeah. <laughs> it's like there's like barely any government funding involved in this because they think it's a joke. Yeah. And what you see is that um, the space force is just something public that people are attacking. Because you have this monarchy that is disconnected from the populace. It has no interest and no insight into their plight. And they waste money in their things because you see, like, they live in very nice places. The 
mm-hmm. the ruling class, whereas everyone else just lives in hovels. So they're completely disconnected, and this is just something for the public to latch on to, but really, they have no idea how on the cheap this is being done. Yeah. No clue at all. Instead of attacking the nobility directly, because, you know, they really can't do that, because the nobility has the military. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot of social commentary, you know, about how you have this kingdom that uh, doesn't care all about its citizens and uh, doesn't focus on their needs. Plus, you know, the fact that they're spoiling for war because they want to incite a conflict with their neighboring nation and then get reparations from them afterwards for, you know, the capture or destruction of their rocket. Exactly. Yeah, you know, they want it to fail. That and they were, what, testing to see what the, the other, the Republic, because that was the other, the other nation. They, yeah. they wanted also to see, they had heard about their jet fighters because... Um, the kingdom still using propeller-driven fighters, mm-hmm. and they have jet fighters. And yeah, like you said, they want the reparations, but they also kind of want to see the performance of these jet fighters to see probably where they're lacking. I would imagine. So yeah, exactly. and something that's kind of interesting also about this movie is for being uh, anime from Japan, being set in an alternate world. There's something very American about this movie. Yeah, in that you have you know the loser who decides to turn his life around. And dedicate himself to a goal, a goal that no one believes he'll be able to accomplish and that everyone, you know, not only just derides him for, for doing that, but actively tries to obstruct him. Yeah, exactly. It's sort of the classic American underdog story. It's like a, yeah. like a space Rocky. Yeah, a space Rocky or, or, or the Wright brothers. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, it, it is it's definitely an underdog story, uh, to say the least. And, um, you know, just you got a bunch of doubters that that um, that are pretty hell bent on making sure that he doesn't accomplish his goal, not only not believing in him, but <laughs> making sure that it just doesn't happen because they think yeah. it's a waste of a pursuit. And it's it's it, I just it's it's an it's enjoyable just to see him triumph over all those uh, obstacles. And thematically, the climax of this movie works so well when Shidotsu finally has been to space and he's looking down at the planet and he's like broadcasting out his thoughts. And, you know, it kind of gets this message across that, you know, once you get up there, all of these petty conflicts on on the surface of the planet seem even smaller when you're looking up at them from space. Minuscule. Yeah, you know, they just seem so small and pointless and counterproductive. And the counterpoint to that that kind of helps illustrate that is this uh, little montage that goes on for about two minutes. Like, you got music playing, and it's kind of showing visually, like, the history of progress on this world. Yes. Yeah. You know, and it all just builds up with the music matching to that and this ever-present image of... Uh, a hammer panning, uh, pounding down on an anvil, making yeah. something, mm-hmm. you know, and it's kind of getting this point across of, you know, there's so much that humanity can accomplish when it's not concerned with all these uh, petty trivialities of politics and, and war and all this other nonsense. And, it, and, it's, and it's interesting about that scene, which always has stood out to me, is that you don't know if he's, um, if anybody's listening to him. Like, he's, he's going through this kind of thing, and he's, he's kind of lamenting about this stuff, but you don't know if it's being broadcast or anything like that because you don't get that, that you know, that, uh, that feeling. And I don't know. I mean, that's just the way I, that I see it is it just seems like it's, it's him putting everything together and you don't know if 
what's going to happen because you know the way that this show the way that this movie ends i mean he's up in space you have these things and that's it <laughs> i mean yeah there's there's no, there's real even, no we resolution we don't even know if he gets what? back down yeah well, you don't know if he gets back down you don't i mean it ends with it's she's out passing out her little leaflets again it starts snowing she looks up mm-hmm. and then that's it and well, you don't mm-hmm. know i mean you don't know if uh, here comes solar speculation i can feel it but it's um you're funny <laughs> but i mean it, it is it's, it's just it's just one of those things where it just it just ends i mean you don't know if he comes down you don't know whatever is going on and well, which maybe, may, gives it a little bit more there well maybe it's wrong for me to assume this but uh, and one of the first shots during the credits they show uh, like kind of a uh, kind of a sketch drawing of somebody kind of a pixarish uh, yeah, uh, a, sketch ending that like pixar likes to do yeah and it's one of the first shots is is, is a sketch of somebody in a spacesuit getting out of a craft and he He's being like allotted by the people around him, so I'm assuming that is just a, a sketch of him being etched into history, like all the Maybe. other other sketches yeah. that they showed at the beginning and the end of the film. I, I he pretty much made history at that point, so I figured he'd be included in it at that point. And it to me, it was him. So I'm I'm assuming that he did make it back, and you know, he, right? But he came but back I'm just, a hero. But I'm uh-huh. just saying, in the in the normal in the normal way of doing a story like this, you they somebody would have animated or somebody would have filmed that. In this, it's just you know, I get. It's it's to me it's one of those situations where it kind of gives it makes your mind kind of wander to think okay what if did he make it was this going on and mm-hmm. I think that that's that's the thing that I get out of it is it it's it's showing you this world it's showing it you know it's of course it's a coming of age kind of uh, show it it's um, you know uh, social commentary when it comes to uh, the society and, and how people are being treated and, mm-hmm. you know, the perception of things. But also then, I mean, because we don't get that final determination that he did come down and now he is celebrated as a national hero, this guy that was just, you know, just a loser at the beginning, um, <laughs> it, it, it just, it just you know, it just it, it, I think it makes it more memorable sometimes. Um, you know, it, it's just that thing of less is more sometimes. And I Have- think that that's what makes that ending very good is the fact of okay yeah you see the sketch but we don't know we don't know if that's him or one of those other jokers that's in the uh you know the space force there so yeah that 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 is true i mean it is ambiguous but um yeah i guess i guess it's up for the it's up to the viewer to decide in that case and and i mean that that's and and i think that that is that's a powerful way of doing filmmaking at times because i'm not going to insult this man uh by saying he's not a film director (laughs) Because of course, you're not gonna let that go, are you? <laughs> oh my god! Well, I just I found it very. Well, as soon as he said that, I was like, "What?" <laughs> oh, <laughs> The, w- the WTF light just went off in my head. I'm like, one second, um, man. Mm-hmm. That think of think of all think of all the directors out there that probably started off doing commercials and um, <laughs> you know, and animated films and yes, cartoons. We get, the, we get the points. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. But um, yeah, but, I mean that that's that's my thing with this movie is 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 the end. Uh, you know, it, it's very powerful. I mean, you know, on the Bay Factor, uh, very low, oh. except. At um, <laughs> you know, because the, the, you know, I, I would say with the the, uh, it'd probably be about a, a seven or so. Be, mm-hmm. You know, the assassination plot is great. Uh, mm-hmm. the, and then you know, of course, the whole launch. I mean, it. The the thing about that is, it's if you haven't seen this movie before, you're gonna say, is it gonna really happen or not? Because <laughs> at the end, you know, as uh, as they're going to launch, you can see. 
the you know you can see the fighting happening around this rocket. I mean, and they they even had their um, troops come in and try to evacuate the command center, saying you know you guys got to get out of here. These you know they've broken through the frontier and stuff like that. So uh, thankfully, Shidotsu he convinces all these old guys like in for a penny, in for a pound. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and. One of the things about this movie that's so surprising is that for a movie made as late as 1987, it has mm -hmm. such a sense of wonder about the exploration of space that is yeah. utterly absent from society and from entertainment today. Yes. It, it was still back during, during that time in the 80s where, where, where people, where kids were still saying they wanted to be an astronaut when they grow up. And um, it, this, this came from, I guess, a generation of people who saw the moon landing. And, yeah. and saw like the wonders of the space program and wanted to to translate that to film into, into animation and and onto film and and they did an incredible job doing that with this movie. Yeah, and you know the you know space today is seen as boring, import not important, a waste of money, or just a backdrop. You know, it's it, nobody cares about it. And in our entertainment, it's just a backdrop. It's like space, big deal. Mm -hmm. And when you think about it, the way they this whole thing of how he gets up into space, hell, even like his rocket getting into orbit is. The animation is copied from, you know, the, the famous video footage of like a third stage rocket when you see that separating in orbit and falling back down to Earth. You know, they yeah. just copied that perfectly from actual footage. And you think of, you see that and you think about it, it's like over the last few decades, only a very privileged small number of men and women have been able to go up to space and to see what everything looks like. And it makes you wonder, what do they think when they go up there, when they're up there in orbit in a space station or in a shuttle or whatever, and they look down and they see Earth? Yeah. You know, do they do they think to themselves like, gee, all of the stupid things that we um, focus on, you know, wars and politics and who controls Congress or the White House or, you know, all of the dumb things that we watch on TV, all of the petty trivialities. Like, does any of that really matter In when you look scale. at when you look at the grand scale of of space of the galaxy and you see everything just laying out in front of you when you're looking into infinity <laughs> yeah well, well that, that, now i feel like i should have uh after after that speech there chris i feel like uh, william shatner should come in with the star trek theme there <laughs> Sp space the final frontier <laughs> Well, and, and I think the movie definitely begs that question of making you think about, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, all these things in the world, you know, what's important and what isn't. Mm -hmm. Of course. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's I, the I most think that, powerful message of the movie. And I, think I, that's I totally the, agree. That's a theme that Gynex does with a lot of their uh, shows and movies. I mean, this is their first big thing, but, you know, you can all the, they all have a common element. There's always that co that coming of age, the guy that, or the girl that just isn't, you know, is kind of looked at as kind of an idiot or a loser or whatever it might be and doing something that nobody ever thought they would do. And once again, there's always kind of that, that kind of subplot of is all the stupid crap that we worry about in society as important as we make it out to be. And, you know, that's, that's, that's what you get with this, this movie here. Here. Absolutely. Um, yeah. It just it, what 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 really um, matters in the end, and what doesn't. Uh, I I I know when I first saw this movie years ago. Um, I, as as I do with uh, many animes at that time, I, I didn't appreciate it. I was looking for a gimmick, and I thought it was long and boring, and I almost didn't finish it. And I, when I saw the ending, I I I saw the the resonance in that, and and the um 
and the importance of that. But I, I wasn't really satisfied by that movie at that time. I was in high school. Um, you know, I was I was fresh off of a lot of the shows. I was probably looking for something that wasn't in this. But upon mo- my most recent viewing of this movie, I couldn't feel any more different. I um, watched this and I already knew knew what to expect because I'd seen it so many years before. But there was a lot of it that I had forgotten, and I just sat back and just in, in, enjoyed the ride when it came to this movie. Is the beginning slow? Sure, it yeah. is. It is. A, yeah, is it's... it? A, it is. A, is it a slice of life piece in the beginning? Absolutely. You're following this guy's journey as he becomes the determined astronaut that he's destined to be, and then uh, it really starts to build up steam as it gets through its second act. When you get to the uh, the portion where he's where the assassination attempt on his life is kicking off, you know that's just out of the blue. I love how it just starts off. You know what's going to happen, but I figured it was going to happen towards later on in the movie. But no, it's in the middle, <laughs> and that whole chase scene and the way it's animated and um, just just the antics that go on there, and and it goes from being almost lighthearted at first to being downright gruesome later on when the when the um, climax of that happens, and and then you finally have the uh, the launch scene and just all the emotion behind it is 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 the big thing for me in this film, just everything going into it and what the character has gone through, and then that moment of accomplishment that um Shirosu uh, Shiro, Shirosu uh, experiences once he gets into space. It's it's a Godsmack moment. It it really is, and um that must- not not the band Godsmack for no, all not, those thinking. Not- <laughs> <laughs> he just because completely- that because that because that would entail screaming and uh, loud guitar solos. So. Yeah, exactly. He was so Godsmack. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> towards the end of that movie when he was uh talking about you know everybody um finding god and whatnot but i, I well, it's I lo- kind of like uh it's kind of like pat labor the first movie that both movies you know cruise very close to each other they have a slow build-up with a lot of payoff at the end yes yeah, yeah absolutely they, these these movies are almost evenly paced and uh you, you've got i gotta give it up to this film for gynax's first full feature film it, it's it's legendary it really is. I mean, I've seen movies from them since that have not touched me in the way this movie has. So I, 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 I've got show to... us, show us on on the uh, the Shinji doll where the guy next movies have touched you. Oh no! And to what extent? Oh my gosh! Let's exactly. move on. Exactly. Point it out for us. Exactly. But um, no, I, I I I can't give I can't praise this movie enough, and um. I, I've, I've got to give it, um, I, I, this is rare for me, but I, I've got to give it five stars. Mm. I've got to give it five stars. At the end of the day, the sum of its parts, it's well worth the watch. And um, uh, I know not everybody will appreciate it out there. I certainly didn't when I first watched it, but it is it is a magnificent viewing. And um, not only uh, do well, anime fans enjoy it, but a lot of people who just enjoy movies will enjoy this film as well. And I, 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 I encourage anybody to see it. But what do you guys um, want to get? What do you guys uh, think about giving this film? I'll give it uh, five out of five awkwardly attempted rapes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's the cool thing about uh, Shirosui. He's not a perfect character at all. Not at all. That was uh, that was a little bit of a disturbing scene. But <laughs> man, I had a, and, and the so, fact that she so, tried so, so disturbing that it almost seems out of place a little bit. It, it kind of does. It's it like does. he just suddenly yeah. he suddenly gets like possessed by insatiable desire attacks it, it, this girl while while she's getting changed and she's there topless with her very nicely animated breasts just flopping about <laughs> he's holding her down then she conks him on the head and then afterwards she apologizes I'm yeah. like, <laughs> while he's trying to apologize He's like, trying to apologize, and she's apologizing, and she almost wants to sweep it under the rug. I figured that was gonna be that was gonna be the end of their uh, 
the end of their back and forth. But uh, apparently she's willing to, to pass on that because I, I don't know. That's but how, how damn religious yeah. she is. <laughs> she, uh, she, you know, but, but like, then, I'm sorry. It was my fault for having nice big breasts. <laughs> at least he felt like shit about it. And that, he that's did. So he, at least he felt remorse. But it was a very, that's always struck me as a very odd scene in that movie. And yeah, it's just a very strange scene. Because, you know, when you have situations like that, you think the guy would have been, you know, drinking or something like that. But he's just hanging out there. And I don't know. It, 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 it is it is the only one thing. I guess maybe it's just there to give you that sense of awkwardness of that. This guy, you know, even though he seems like he's making a change, he can still be kind of a creep. So yeah, he was going through some some internal turmoil, though, uh, during that time, because he had just left that uh, Q&A. Yeah, and, Rich, and, and, Rich and, just right. solved easily by rape. Yeah, I know. I know. He, 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 it, uh, a part of his. Uh, a little weird. A dark part of his being was was definitely coming out during that time, and I'm glad she knocked some sense into him. <laughs> right, literally. So. Well, what did you guys think? I, I give it a four and a half. Oh, and Chris, uh, you you already said five. So, yeah. um, that uh, any any last words about the wings of Honiamis? No. Uh, go go watch it. It's not easy to find because, of course, it was released on VHS by Mangler, and then they released a mangled DVD. And then it was surprisingly like Pat Labor. It was later re-released by Bandai Visual on Blu-ray. Right. But uh, unfortunately, this is Bandai Visual, so it went for like seventy or eighty bucks. You can find the Blu-ray maybe for about like forty or so on Amazon, and the Blu-ray is absolutely worth it because this movie just looks gorgeous. It does. Worth seeing every little detail of, and uh, it's it's gorgeous. Yeah, it still holds. Can't up say it enough. It still holds up to this day. For a movie that's nearly 25 years old. It's a testament to that um, animation style back then and um, the fact that it still it, it still looks gorgeous. And that'll bring our review of Royal Space Force, The Wings of Honey on Me's to an end. And uh, we'll be back with more on Gundam at MAHQ. What did the anime addicts say when asked who would win in a battle between a magical girl and a team of Pokemon? Who doesn't want to spin around, glow, and have all their clothes fly off? Anime. The battle stops when you do it. You don't have to worry about getting shot. Like, no one ever thinks, oh my god, she's changing. Quick, shoot her. Addicts. First of all, I would say that my Pokemon would not be enticed by your nakedness. 12-year-old breasts and ass are not going to entice my Charmander. Anonymous. I'm eating a sandwich (laughs) calling my bookie because I just stomped your ass. Podcast. Visit the Anime Addicts at www.aaapodcast.com and iTunes. Hey, how's it going, dude? Next time on Shinjuku Fight Club. That's the one thing they didn't change throughout the whole series. Like, they all three tournaments, they left the time on infinite each time. And I kept telling them every single time. It's like, you guys going to turn on time? Can I go to options real quick before I'd fight? You know... But they kept it on every single time. So next time, I've already told them, it's like, if you have another one for ultimate, make sure that shit's on. 
was like, the, the guy was calling me out too. He, he was like, uh, the last time I went to the store and asked him about Ultimate, he's like, oh yeah, and the, you know, the guy that beat you last time, he was in here, he was asking about you, wanted to know if you're still oh. playing. Dude. So I, I was like, yeah, I was like, I'm still playing. I was like, I'm ready for Ultimate. But tell him, it's like, we're going to have the time on next time. You know, next time we have the tournament, the time's going to be on, so you can't run and hide out the whole fight. Next on Shinjuku Fight Club. Be tough or be dead, big guy. Ready? Go. Hey, man, is that Gundam? Yeah, man. Well, turn it up, man. Gundam at MHQ. We're going to wrap up this episode with the mailbag in its new location. And as always, you can submit questions to the mailbag in the mailbag drop box thread on mechatalk.net. So our first question, guys, guess who it comes from? Oh, man. Oh, Peter? (laughs) Uh, No, no, no. Um, Lula Vaga? There you go. How'd you know? (laughs) Who knew? Well, it's, All it's, right. He's got it, a couple it, of it, questions, it, as you would expect. It is the third day of the week, so no, just kidding. <laughs> and Moo only uh, posts questions on days of the week ending in Y. <laughs> <laughs> so his first question is, Neo, this question is for you since you missed it in episode 83, the question of hate. You're allowed to channel the general. Which one is worse, in your opinion, Razafon or Witch Hunter Robin? I have to get an answer from you rather than Mr. Guanche, who usurped your mailbag and is a supposed mind reader slash new type. I would like to have your answer, please. Now, for for those who do not recall, um, I preemptively answered for... Neo and chose Razafon. So tell me, am I am I right or am I full of crap? No, you're you're right. Uh, Razafon, yeah, Razafon, hands down. Even though Witch Hunter Robin was one of those shows, it was it did okay. But then you know, whenever the day that the episode where everybody got shot and the next one we're all back to work, like nothing happened. That was a little messed up. But Razafon just loses at the beginning, and <laughs> it, it's it's just it's just a it's just a bad Ava clone and. You know, if I wanted to watch an Ava clone, I'd watch probably whatever they're putting out next year. So, you know, for Ava. So, you know. There, yes. there you go, Mo. There you go. I was right. <laughs> yeah, because you, you, you got some enjoyment out of watching Witch Hunter Robin when it was on. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't too bad. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I watched it, and you know, but it's, it's yeah, the, yeah, Razafon, ugh. Good times. No. All right. His next question is, what's the funniest nickname for a mecha you guys have heard or know of or even created for instance when i like gundam introduced is pretty day in the god of gms and it makes sense well we didn't introduce that so that's don't don't credit us with that <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was somebody else i think that that i've heard a long time ago mm-hmm. nothing really comes to mind for me so i'm sure something will at two o'clock in the morning when it's utterly useless and pointless 
who listened to the playback of this episode and said, and it's like I, I should have said this or I should have said that at the time, which I get every time I listen to one of these episodes. But um, yep. I, I don't know. The weirdest name I've, I've ever heard for a Mecca is the Methus, but that's not a nickname. That's an actual name. Right. And um, I don't I don't know of a nickname right now that I could go off of besides the uh, the one for a day on right now. If something comes to me, though, during the segment, I'll say it. All right. Uh, his last question is, so as per one of Timber New Times mailbag questions, if the Straight Talk Express runs on hate, wouldn't it be properly renamed the Hate Talk Express? Not to mention Austin, Shoji Ramuro, Emperor Palpatine, or Troll would hijack it. We haven't heard from Troll in a while. Well, if, if it was uh, the Hate Talk Express, then we'd have to repaint it. And uh, we already just scratched out the you know McCain part, so that's more work. <laughs> Yeah, and it, I don't know if it would go with the uh, the interior color scheme either, you know, because it's, uh, it's a different shade. The straight talk's, uh, you know, more red, white, and blue, where hate would probably be, uh, you know, just black, just deep black. Feeling this. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Our next question comes from Awesome78, oh. who asks, what does Bandai have to do for you to stop watching Gundam Forever? I don't mean that they give money to you or bribe you in any way. But a show in the Gundam series that is so bad that it makes you want to stop watching the Gundam franchise forever. Well, if they're not going to give me money or bribe me, then there's nothing that's going to stop me. So <laughs> there's nothing that could, would contractually um, force you to stop. You know, maybe me being it. really old and dying that that would that would do it. Well, the thing the thing about that is, you know, um, we've suffered through bad shows in Gundam and you know you just know that um, okay this might be an OVA or a series or something like that maybe you're not into this one but you know that that you know a few years later there's going to be something else so you just go and see well you know do I like it or not I mean as a franchise I don't think that, I mean if if Destiny didn't make me swear off Gundam I don't know what would or g Everything everything's got its ups and downs yeah uh, as for me de- till death do us part <laughs> All right, so after the, that little bit of fatalism from all of us, there you go. We have a question from good old Suspicious Red Lamp, who uh, is asking about death. He says, You guys have talked about almost any kind of death possible. Well, what about unsatisfying deaths? Have any characters' deaths been so disappointing you wish you could bring them back to life to kill them off again in an even more gruesome way? <laughs> As for my victim today, I brought Rolo back to life and killed him during the first episode of R2. <laughs> He tried to bring Lelouch back to him after he ran his memories, but Colin happened to radio, radio wave him with the Gurren Mark II. My job and good act to the nation was done for the day. Damn. Damn. Some hatred there. Even though Rolo kind of, you know, got a little humanized towards the end, yeah, you, damn. <laughs> He's, hey, he killed Shirley, so. Yeah, he did. He did. Never mind. Thank you for reminding me of that. Yeah. Oh, wait, that's no. That's him. Sasaku did it. Yeah, Sasaku did it. That's what I thought. Yeah, that's what the internet said, so I must be right. It was Suzaku. Oh, There's not, everything's true on the internet, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Especially the things we say. <laughs> yeah, pretty Gee, much. Who, who, who deserves to be brought back to get a worse death? Um, Shoot. Uh, I, 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 my vote goes to uh, Jamaican. <laughs> no, he got pretty bad. He hey, got, he oh, got, he did. He, he got head on by the uh, the Super Gundam's beam cannon. Oh, man. After, being, uh, after it was baited by Yazan. So that's... That's pretty. Uh, that's pretty. Uh, yeah, it's pretty bad. I bring it back to give that asshole a slow, torturous death. Um, slow and torturous. But I would say one that pops into my head who deserves a worse death than what she got is um, Lusa Luft from Dunbine. Oh. Oh yeah. 
Like, Holy you God. blew away your own daughter just because you are a whore and a bitch. The depravity of that woman is, you, is you, She deserved much, much worse than what she got. I, I second that motion. <laughs> yeah. I second that. She got off light in comparison to how she should have got off. Man. I also throw in, um, who the hell was it, the name of the that, that uh, they killed Kerala in, in Ideon? Oh, God. Shot her in the face, too. Ooh, yeah, who the hell was that? Oh, God. Um, Remember that? It was a woman, I believe. Yeah, it was a Remember woman. Remember that? Was, she deserves a worse death, too. It was that. It was, oh, uh, God. Yeah, that is pretty bad. You guys know what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. I can't remember her name, though. I know what she looks like, but I can't remember. Yeah. And I don't feel like looking up the uh, the review. Yeah, that's fine. But, uh, yeah, she, she deserves a worse death. Um, brutal. I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of, I don't, there's a lot of these characters, especially um, some of these mecha shows, they, they kind of get what they deserve. I mean, yeah. you, can't, you can't give Jared Mesa a better death. Uh, <laughs> you know, an inconsequential, just kind of flick of the wrist there from the, oh, get by, you know, and it was like no big deal. Or, and and Giri and Zabi got, got aced in such a beautiful way. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, they, these people are complete jerks, but their ends are befitting of them. I, I can't think of too many characters who got off light in their deaths or what know, about like, uh people who did horrible things but escaped the clutches of death like katagina yes i yeah. can think of those people all day long or nina um Purpose, nina Purpose. <laughs> or, <laughs> or, 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 or yazan gable you know his character getting reduced to bullshit you know that that's 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 a, maybe a fate worse than death but no <laughs> he's he still he still deserved to die as entertaining as he was he was a dastardly mother i mean ooh, oh excuse me <laughs> Damn, son. Yeah, Katagina's Katagina's like that's that's the face of that of that thing. People that should have died that didn't. You, that was one evil bitch. Oh man, man. she's she is the poster child for that shit. That's for certain. I mean, right. I, I think a, I think a better question at times is who probably should have didn't get as badly killed as they did. Like you know, like uh, poor Odolo and all these people, you know, or, or stuff like that. Where you know, it's like. It, yeah, they they shouldn't have been to kill that badly. So mm -hmm. or at all, they already got to that point. But we we've, we've talked about that too. Odolo, oh. the poster child for a, a character, a needless death. All right, uh, our next questions come from Red Zeta, who asked first, "What would you consider to be the most mistreated machine in Gundam?" What immediately comes to mind for me is Ko trashing the Zephyranthus before reaping for space. That or the Methus. I'll uh, I'll cite what immediately jumps to mind for me: the Wing Gundam. Yes, I was gonna say uh, that too. Yeah. <laughs> the Wing Gundam is so abused. <laughs> it's the, the freaking it, title suit. Yeah. But Hero, he freaking dumps it in the ocean in the first mm -hmm. episode. He tries to blow it up in the second. He succeeds at self-destructing it in the tenth. When it gets rebuilt for him by Zex, he doesn't want to use it. Yeah. <laughs> then he just dumps it in the ocean again. Then when he picks it up on Earth, uh, it gets beaten up. It, it like uh, gets its leg busted, and then he just tosses it aside to get the Epion. <laughs> and at the end, it gets repaired, and then unsteals it, and uh, it almost gets completely blasted away when she jumps in to save Trey's from Libra's cannon. Yeah. Damn. I mean, and, I've and, never seen any machine get abused as much as that one does. And, and especially as, like you <laughs> said, the title suit. Usually the title suit gets a little bit more respect. Yeah. But that one was just, yeah. And, and, and the fact that it was passed around like a joint. I mean, <laughs> it, 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 has got, it has got like... You're thinking of Wing Zero there. 
Well, no, the Wink Gundam was piloted because the Wink, it's what? Uh, uh, it was Hero. only piloted by Hero, Troa, and Lady Un. Yeah. Well, didn't Zex pilot it? No, it's Wing Zero. Oh, it's everybody, oh, yeah. Everybody got their hands on Wing yeah. Zero like she was yeah. a $2 hooker. No doubt. Yeah. To the left. <laughs> that was like, uh, that, that was when Hero was like Mr. Drug Dealer. Here, try it. See if you like it. Try the zero system. The first hit is free. Oh my God! You'll be coming back for more. <laughs> Don't go crazy. And, and Quattro, like that one guy. Quattro couldn't handle his shit. And, and, and what's funny is it gets it gets blown away when she's uh, when Lady Un's saving try, uh, saving uh, trays, and then you just never really know what the ultimate fate of the thing is. <laughs> you just kind of. It's like it's just left as a piece of junk floating in space. Yeah, it's probably at that. It's probably at that damn um, that. Uh, what is it? The uh, what base was that? The, um, what's your fit? Noin come from the one in Africa? What is it? Victoria. Uh, oh, Victoria yeah. base. It's probably just sitting there, like in the in the in the back 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 part Everyone of that. Some dirty sheets. <laughs> nice. What's nice. this back there? Uh, it's just some junk. You don't you know. Anything else? Um, the only thing I can think of, uh, and that's, that doesn't even come remotely close, or maybe the uh, the Gundam's an 8th MS team. Well, I have a model. I don't have a, a particular suit, but I have a model. Uh, one scope dog uh, piloted by uh, Chirico. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean... Uh, those this, those this... get mistreated very, very frequently. <laughs> what, what what was the count like? What, did, what was the count that somebody had, like 20-something, 20 23 or something like they, that? They counted it. It's, I think it's even more. Yeah. Goodness. So, I mean, it's, it's a particular model, but... Um, yeah, yeah. The, the, the so bad in some episodes he he he'd steal one or grab one and next thing you know by uh you know 10 minutes later he's getting out of it cuz it's about to blow. <laughs> I'll also throw in as an honorable mention any Valkyrie in the original series oh. touched by Hikaru other than Royce. <laughs> oh my god. Oh yeah. man. That is true. That is true. He um he ran through some of those boys, especially the first one. <laughs> Thank, thank God for the senpai armor in Roy's. Uh, well, it didn't Roy's. help Roy at all. No, it didn't. Well, it didn't help Roy, but you know, you know what I mean. <laughs> he, he had to die to become the senpai armor to protect Hikaru. Pretty much. They installed the plot armor into that <laughs> Valkyrie shortly after Roy's death. <laughs> all right. Um, second question is, have there been any series, Gundam or otherwise, in which you preferred the original mechas over the season two slash mid-season upgrade mechas. For example, I like the Strike much more than the Freedom or Code Geass R1 Nightmares over their R2 versions. Mm. Sobro. Mine is definitely Destiny. Um, I definitely des- I, I enjoyed the Impulse far more than I did the Destiny Gundam. I thought that uh, he should have, I just thought Shin just should have just stuck with the Impulse. It was badass. The Destiny Gundam, not in the animated series. I've seen um, variations Even though the Impulse it. is a low-rent strike. It's a low-rent strike, but it was still cool, and it was much cooler than the Destiny, although I've seen models of the Destiny since that have made that suit look better, but um, you know, in the series, no. I thought the Destiny was just oversized and clunky, and it of course, it was a leftover suit from the designs of, um, I guess, a suit that didn't make the cut in seed. So why even bring it into Destiny? I don't understand. Well, it's basically it. it's a redesign of, well, it's it's a uh, it's sort of a version of the original design of Freedom, which was conceived as having all of the striker packs all being clunked together into one piece of junk. Yeah, it's just a it's just a cluster, cluster of butt. That's what <laughs> that's yep. that's what it ended up being. And yeah, that's that's mine. Well, I, I have another one from said said same show, and that would be uh, Infinite Justice over Savior. Yes, I mean you have such an awesome looking, cool, transformable 
thing that really all it really did was just transform and fly away all the time. So we never really knew what it did with just an <laughs> ugly, low-rent thing, a lazy effort going, well, we need this. We're going to make it look like justice, call it infamous, and do a few little tweaks, put some, uh, what is it, beam savers white. on its legs and stuff. And, and, and white joints. And white joints and, you know. you know, Silver joints, whatever the hell. Yeah, it's just whatever. But uh, and and then we'll just give it the same old animation we did last, um, you know, last show. So yeah, that that's another horrible, horrible one. Yeah, I can I'll, deal. I'll, I can deal with Destiny over Impulse. I'll second um, Code Geass because the yeah. Nightmare Frames in the first season were way cooler. The ones in the second were just too Gundam-y, too cartoony, too brightly colored. It didn't really fit. It just seemed like too much of a technological leap yeah. from you know the Sutherlands on the ground, which were cool. To all these dumb flying things and all these weird stuff that the Knights of the Round were using. So yeah, that... how, how how in the first season they stressed that it was so hard to fly, you know, <laughs> so hard to get these things to fly, and then yet season two, what what a year or two later, in the everybody, timeline... the little brother is flying around. We're yeah. having ocean battles, like yeah. like 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 it's there's not even a thought. We're having ocean <laughs> battles like it's Gundam Seed, and <laughs> yeah. I I'd third that argument there. In Double Zeta, the Zeta obviously is a much yeah. better suit than the Double Zeta. <laughs> you got that right. Because Double Zeta is just so big and clunky and ugly, and I've never liked the Double Zeta. And even Judo didn't like it that much because he kept going back to the Zeta <laughs> multiple times, even after getting the Double Zeta because it's that, better. Looks that, nice. That Judo was a Gundam tourist. <laughs> He'd be jumping into different Gundams. I was like, man, I've never seen somebody actually go backwards. <laughs> and although this doesn't exactly fit, um, all of the Zaft suits from Seed oh. compared to the Zaft suits from Destiny. Destiny, yeah. Mm -hmm. They all looked better. Yeah. I've got to say the same. So next we have some questions from Mr. Mr. Bushido because he right. changed his name to from Bush – he asked me to change his name from Bushido to Mr. Bushido. So now he's Mr. Mr. Bushido. <laughs> you, should call him, you should call him Mr. Star Wars. I've been, I've been um, on Xbox Live with him quite a bit, and that is a guy who loves the Star Wars, as, as evident by his avatar. Yes. So his first I, question. You know what? I, I feel bad for him. <laughs> Since you <laughs> – never mind. Mm -hmm. let's, let's not talk about Star Wars. Let's I don't go. want to. He says, since you mentioned that as time passes, seeds in development hell movie will hardly have much impact, would you say that this is heading in the direction of Robotech? Hmm. Oh, Robotech's movie, yeah, it's never going to happen either, probably, so. Oh, the live-action movie. Yeah, okay. live-action yeah. movie. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it, you just never know with Hollywood sometimes, too. It's like how many years so something could just, and they might just be able to, the economy gets better, they get, they influence, they get somebody drunk and sign some papers to fund something. Next thing you know, we have the Robotech movie. <laughs> I, I I I I think they're both in development hell, just as you've mentioned, and um I don't see both. I, I I if I was to guess which one would have a better chance of coming out, the seed movie most most definitely out of the two, but um I don't expect to see anything on either front for a long time to come. Yep. Second question in Nightmare Land, how would you feel if Gundam was somehow now owned by Harmony Gold or Four Kids? Well, oh, what I do is I would rage about it on blogs and forums. That's what I would do. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, live journal, maybe too. Well, this show would just turn it to a pulpit for um for shitting on uh, Harmony Gold and Four Kids, twenty four seven. Yep. 
It, it, it'd be reverse Doug Bendo. Yes, indeed. <laughs> which makes a good segue for the third question, mm-hmm. which is, I know Neo challenged the heart and soul guy to come on Gundam, and Chris quickly said no. After listening to episode 83, would you ever consider inviting Doug Bendo and having a debate, Robotech versus Macross? Personally, I would very much enjoy listening if this ever happened, although I doubt it would. Yeah, you're damn right it wouldn't because, <laughs> you know, I don't know the guy, but having listened to his podcast, he sounds like a damn fool Ooh. and a troll of the worst variety. So why the hell would we waste our time? Yeah. It, Just to hear it, some it, guy saying, Robotech is better, Macross sucks, you guys are... Stupid yeah. blind weeaboos and yeah, Robotech's better. Wah. Yeah, I, I mean, if, if I if I wanted an intelligent debate, I'd listen to Japan debate Destiny. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, Next. I mean, I I just don't think we would get an intelligent conversation or or, or debate out of it at all. I, yeah. I it just come down to name calling and and well, and, it, and it would it, it would be like an audio version of four champ and boards. Mm-hmm. Pretty so, much. Pretty, pretty much. <laughs> probably there anyway. I mean, he, he's probably hiding out. So um, next we have some more questions from Awesome78. Who asks, first, what is your favorite mech design out of all of the Gundam shows? Wow. Um, the Methus. <laughs> you know it's the gun tank. She <laughs> It's not a Gundam. Oh, oh. Well, out out of mech. He said design, favorite mech design out of all the Gundam, Gundam shows. Mm. Um, so you pretty much can go with anything. Um, I've got to say, if Sit. if I, I'm trying not to pick a Gundam. God dang it! But um, Gundam. Well, that's your own it. fault. You're putting a restriction on yourself that's not necessary. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I got to go with my my knee jerk reaction of the Zeta. I, I I've been in love with that suit. Ever since I saw it, and to me, it's the the coolest design out of all the mecha. I would say the uh, the Hayakushiki is my second, but those two suits. Neo. Yeah, Hayakushiki, uh, Strike, because I just think Strike mm-hmm. was just such a an interesting take, and I'd say the Zeta, but you know that's really enough said there. What it's. That's almost one of those things where it's like, um, you know, why even debate it? You the, know? Michael, like, the Michael Jordan of uh, Gundams. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like who's the best basketball player? Well, who's the second best basketball player? <laughs> well, you chumps can't deny because no suit can surpass the stylistic and functional beauty that is the Bolinok Saman, <laughs> created by Master Paptimus himself. Yes, Master Paptimus. <laughs> What was it? Go ahead. Hopefully, hopefully it's got those highly absorbent seats for uh, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> you sure it's not the Palace Athene? <laughs> I'll tell you this much: I take the I take the Palace Athene a hundred times over than the Bolo Oak Saman. Oh, oh my man. God! I who think... is drunk? Who is drunk doing that one? <laughs> Somebody. So didn't no, Ben Wooder fly that? No, that was Sarah's. That was Sarah's. It was Sarah's. Okay. It was her special suit too. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So once yeah, she died. Definitely this- Definitely the Zeta. Uh, I would give a close second now because it's it's so pretty to uh, good old Exia. Oh yeah. Yeah, I forgot about Exia. Because Exia was that one where I, I, I've said it before. When I first saw it, I was like, eh. But then as I started watching that show, I'm like, mm-hmm. that's a damn good suit, man. When you see and the then, animation, man. It's it's it is so sleek and it is it's the most anorexic out of some of most of the Gundams. But man, it it can move. It moves like a dream. Well, it, man. it was it was in uh, it was in. Uh, uh, it's, the, it's the Natalie Portman of Gundams. No yeah. doubt. It, it, it was, it was uh, you know. Black Swan. <laughs> the Black Swan of Gundams. 
it, it was in the it was having those weight issues and it was in uh, therapy with uh, strike because uh, strike seemed like the uh, the the advent of the the new skinny anorexic suits because they're they're both kind of similar real long legs and even more so than normal so but mm-hmm. i forgot about that exia especially when it was all busted up oh yeah his, look, uh, <laughs> his next question Mega- go ahead i said it looked better than megatron <laughs> yes it did <laughs> megatron without the bugs Next question, even though I know the answer to I'm going to kick it to Solbro. Mm-hmm. He says, when you do the sound clip for Judo and the Junkyard Kids commercial, where did you get the dubbed voices for the characters of Gundam ZZ? Because as far as my knowledge goes, the show was never released outside of Japan, so what gives? Is there a secret dub out there that only you guys know but everyone else doesn't? Well, well, um, Awesome78. Um, it, it, Neo, you were correct. Um, yeah, I so was a, games. I was yeah. able to pull it from... Uh, the, uh, the, for the commercial that I used, I was able to pull those audio clips from the um, Gundam vs. Zeta Gundam games because Judo and uh, Play and um, Haman of that, uh, of that series are all in that game. So there are additional characters and... Um, you really can't do much with them besides play them in uh, in certain modes, but they are in it and they do have a couple of lines. But they, Judo's also shown up in some other games like the Dynasty Warriors games, and I've never ripped audio from there, but I could if I wanted. And then you also have the unofficial dub of, uh, I wouldn't say unofficial, but the anime's dub of Double Zeta that's floating out, floating out there too. It was never aired here in America or released on DVD, and it's a bad dub overall, but it's out there and you can find clips of it on YouTube. Yeah, there was an actual dub made for the series for like, English dub for like Singapore malaysia or somewhere yep. and it's quite awful you can find clips of it on youtube just google like gundam's easy english dub or i've something. used i've used it a few times on this show in some of the closing portions so um yeah it's the anime's dub and you can go to youtube and find clips of it everywhere it's up there all right next we have some questions from nick izumi oh who has a question about a strange gundam pet peeve oh he go. says I own the Gundam movie DVDs, but I was very, very distressed with the audio, not only because they did not include the English dub I grew up with, which while Second Babylon translation were bad, it had some great actors, but mostly because the soundtrack had been gutted and rearranged for the special edition release. Hmm. Don't get me wrong, I like the movies fine, but I want to see the original cut, and I don't like Bandai George Lucasing my product. Do you uh-huh. think the movies will ever be released <laughs> on DVD with the proper soundtrack? All right, I, I got to take this first. Do it. I got to take some issue with uh, referring to this as the George Lucasing of something. <laughs> yeah. Just because Don't... a movie has some changes made to it, it doesn't mean that it's a George Lucasing for us to all have a connection. <laughs> <over>. <laughs> uh. You know, um, yes, they rearranged some some uh, some songs and. You know, a few of the voice actors are different because some of them died along the way. But for the most part, it's all the same voice actors from the original TV series. And it doesn't bother me. It's really not a big deal to me because I've had this DVD version for a long time and uh, I really don't care. Mm. It's not a big deal. It's not even a big, it's not even as big of a deal as um, the whole controversy with the Zeta movies where they recast a bunch of actors who were alive and still active in the community acting world, but got replaced by other people. Yeah. You know, to me, I, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't keep me up at night. If you, <laughs> if you really, really want them, there's the old sub VHS. And, uh, there was a later re-release in Japan of the movies with the original soundtrack. Mm-hmm. But of course it's region two DVD. It's expensive and it's Japanese only with no subtitles. Do I think it'll be released in America? 
no reason why they would. Bandai recently, they started re-releasing the original series with the Japanese audio, which, of course, I, I already bought that first collection of, and you should too, even mm-hmm. though it's still missing that one episode. That's a big deal because, you know, there was so much hubbub back in 2001 that they released it dub only. Mm-hmm. So they had an incentive for releasing it here to appease those fans who didn't buy it back then, like, say, me. Mm-hmm. So that's a big deal. But, um, you know, putting out, like, a DVD re-release with this new audio, which, new audio track, so to speak, you know, advertising, hey, have a, you know, uh, mono soundtrack in Japanese, the original. <laughs> it's not much of a selling point. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> who would give Who would give two craps about that? Nobody. Not many people. <laughs> it's stunning stereoscopic sound. <laughs> stunning one-channel sound coming at you from a direction. <laughs> coming at you from you can select one speaker, but only one speaker. <laughs> and I, I would say, uh, who, who is this that did the, the question? Uh, Nick Izumi. Mm-hmm. Be very careful when you say George Lucasine because that's very hurtful, mm-hmm. and it should only be used in extreme cases. Bandai has done a lot of boo-boos, but that that's that's pretty low to even say there because you know if, if somebody, I mean, let's be honest. If there's a way to fuck up something, that's when you that's the George Lucasine of it, right? So. Well, I mean, I, though, I guess the only George Lucasing moment I think that Tomino really has ever had um, was what Chris brought up earlier, where he took an episode out of uh, the run of his uh, of his show, and he doesn't think that anybody should see it. And it's like, well, it's already out there; the Japanese already have it. And let's see that. But um, overall, I don't think that anyone comes close to George Lucas. Even even Steven Spielberg had to pull back and say, you know what? Uh, let me not let me not do what George is doing to my to Spielberg my has he's he's recanted. He's yes. You yes. know, he's gone. He's like now he said recently, like that he completely regrets doing those changes to E.T. on DVD and that when the yep. Blu-ray comes around, it'll just be the original 82 version. Mm-hmm. He even went so far as to say that when uh, Razor of the Lost Ark comes out on Blu-ray, he's going to put back in the snake mirror reflection. Oh, no way. Oh, it, he removed from really? the DVD, which I actually like that he removed that. Uh, so yeah. the fact that he's putting that back in, it's like, no, you don't need to go that far in that direction. <laughs> you don't need to overcompensate <laughs> that much for the sins of Lucas. There, there, there's, some things that, there's some things that work, you know, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> I could understand, but <laughs> yeah, it was, it, like that was that was a that was a hurdle that he could not overcome at the time. So you know that makes sense. And you can pick and choose your battles when it comes to that. But making yeah. you know putting in all these extra things and taking out stuff that that you know I, I just it, it, Lucas just goes overboard. He's he is, a spe- <laughs> he is a special case, and the Gundam movies have not received that treatment at all. I can understand the the importance of watching the original cut of the film because you want to see how people saw it back then. But um, uh, when it hey, comes how, to the uh, movies, but how how does Blu-ray sell? Did you guys ever know? I mean, I'm sure they sold a shit ton. Oh yeah, uh, people people made their uh, their anger known by uh, making him even more by, rich than he already is by uh, selling a grand total of eighty four million dollars worth of uh, <laughs> of of. Of uh, Star Wars Blu-rays. Blu-rays. We're I think so it's something bad. like the first week alone, it was half a million units in the first week. <laughs> which, we're so mad, we're just going to continue to buy this. Let me tell you, it's like I've been saying, that is the prime example of rewarding bad behavior. There yep. you go. Because I'm sure there's a lot of those purchases where people who don't know, or if they know about the changes, just don't care. Mm-hmm. But how many of those purchases were made by people who knew about the changes, complained angrily and loudly and bitterly about them, and still bought it? Still bought it. 
What, what do you think the percentage is? I, I would probably say about 65% of those purchases are people that knew about it, aren't happy with it, and they still bought it. I'd say at least half. I, yeah. yeah, I'd say it's more of a 50-50 split because you do have a generation of kids still. And, and youngins who grew up with the, with the prequels and don't give a damn. But still, you, you know their excuses. We, we got to see this in Blu-ray. Yeah, it's and, all it's all of the uh, the the soul bros of Star Wars who keep rewarding bad oh, behavior. Oh boy, <laughs> let's throw soul bros name in there because we can. Yep. <laughs> well, because you're you're a prime target when it comes to re- examples of rewarding bad behavior. When it, you and Capcom. I know, I know, I am a Capcom holic. You're the, you're the gift that keeps on giving. I'm a fighting game holic, so yeah, I, I reward bad behavior when it comes to that. But um. Yeah, I, I can't say much. I can't say much. I, that is that is that is me on that level. But um, <laughs> I can at least look at the Star Wars cats and shake my head. Yeah. So thanks, <laughs> thanks a lot, guys, for uh, for for buying all those Star Wars DVDs and uh, you know. Wait a minute. Wait, wait to make a stand. Ensuring <laughs> that more changes will happen. And of course, Lucas has done this with other movies too, because when he released a few years ago THX one one three eight on DVD, mm-hmm. he he Lucas that too with a bunch of new CG and a bunch of new crap. And he's basically erased the original version as well. It's like Damn. same same shit now. Like oh that 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 version that doesn't exist anymore. You can only buy this one. <laughs> wow, way way to give people options, Lucas. Way to yeah, give people. And I options. don't doubt because I don't think THX is on Blu-ray yet. Um, but oh, when it does it. come out, I'm sure oh, it'll be not only that special edition from a few years ago. But even more changes. Wow. Because, you know, he just can't leave well enough alone. And he never will. And now, lastly, we'll finish as we began with Mula Flaga. (laughs) (laughs) Full circle, baby. Full circle. He is the alpha and the omega of this (laughs) comeback. But this time, he's got comments rather than questions. So this will be very quick. All right. He says, after episode 83's mailbag, I have to say to Chris, stop being lazy when it comes to thinking of real robot series to recommend. Ooh. The hell do you think I am? You think I'm your robot Google? <laughs> do some damn research on your own, you lazy basher. I mean, you're there in prison all the time, so you got free time. How about you? Yeah, time in the world. How about you go to ANN and look up some shows and then go to YouTube and look up their intros? It's not hard. I do or, that. Or, uh, or, or MHQ.net, maybe. The MHQ.net is a perfect place for that. Mad Real Robot shows on there. If you want to see what they're like, go watch the intros. Maybe watch um, you know, a, bit, a, a clip collage on there and, and, and get a taste, man. It's just... or, or, or here's an idea. Just select something and just go in and just Ooh. say... That, that, that's, that's the most brilliant thing. Just go in there because sometimes it's better to go in with no preconceived notions. And you just go in and you go, wow, this is good. Or, whoa, this is crap. <laughs> sometimes uh, blind buys are the best. This whole yeah. episode, mm-hmm. we've been talking about stuff that for me was blind yeah. purchases. Yeah. I, mean, I remember a time where we didn't know shit. I remember exactly. a time when there was no internet. The stupid times. I, I re- exactly. I remember a time where word of mouth was all there was. <laughs> in, in in the darkness before there was the light that is MHQ. Yeah, exactly. I remember. I remember. I had to do investigations on my own, flip through magazines and shit like that. It, it's 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 time you move on to the next level, Moo. But no, keep, it's, but, it's but, keep, but keep but keep listening to our show. <laughs> no, it, well, it, it, he's 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 just joking in good faith. I, so I know, I know. Not, I'm not. I know. I'm I'm joking back, Moo. We we love you, sir. We he do. says uh, he says you could have at least thought of something like say strain, which you have mentioned only in brief. One to two times on the show, and I have watched thanks to you mentioning it. Well, there you go right there. So what are you bitching about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just listen to what I say no matter what it is. Hey, you, know, you know, has he watched Panzer World Galleon yet, man? Has he watched it? You've mentioned that on the show. 
Yep. Has, has he watched um, Actually, he hasn't. Uh, has Kinsley Core. I watched. I watched Kinsley Core before I left for California. What about what about the other show from the creator SPT of Voltones? SPT Laser. Have you checked that out, man? What yeah. about that other real robot show? Um, the one. Oh God, damn! I can't remember it. It came Zoids. right before Voltones. Zoids. Dugrum. Dugrum. Check out Dugrum, man. It's nice. Check and out long. Zoids. Check out Zoids. <laughs> check out Rosafon. Hey, check out Rosafon. Hey, Rosafon. <laughs> Let's just check out all the Neo greats. He says here, at least Soulbro went four for four with his answers. Well, isn't that nice for Soulbro? Well, here, oh no, before you move on, here's one for you. It's a great one. Uh, Dragonaut. <laughs> yeah, watch that one. Yeah, watch Aquarian 2. That's a good show. Yeah, that's it. That's Ooh, the you get, ticket. And you guys. <laughs> MD Geist, <laughs> the pinnacle of mecha anime. No, that, no, that's MD Geist too. Colon Death Force. There you go. There you go. What was I thinking? So he He's says. Really so yeah, I want to thank Sobro for getting me into and watching Diegard from Flip the Script clips mm-hmm. and mentioning it on Gundam, and Chris for getting me into and watching Stream by mentioning it. Also, screw your laziness. Thanks, guys. Keep up your entertaining podcast. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Moo. Well, you're welcome, Australia. It, starts, it started off with a backhanded <laughs> comment that he thanks you at the end. <laughs> but it wouldn't, it's, be it's, Mo- it wouldn't be Moo LaFlaga if it didn't. Okay. <laughs> It, it, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like debating a certain someone about a certain show, where they they they're against you at the beginning, and then at the end they're just agreeing with everything you're saying. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Would, would someone be uh, I, having their name start with a J and end with a five? Maybe Johnny Five. <laughs> Johnny just... Five, yes. Johnny, need more it, input. He's alive, you know. Johnny Five alive. <laughs> Need oh, more man. input. One, uh, for <laughs> once, Sobro's nostalgia glasses have worked for comedy. <laughs> hey, there you go. You're once welcome. and only once. <laughs> Thanks, would, guys. I'll be here all week with my nostalgia. Yeah. So that wraps up uh, this latest installment of the mailbag in its new home at the end of the show. So do you uh, gentlemen have anything to add? To what? The mailbag or to the show? To the show. Oh, um, like always, uh, support the sponsors. I know it's tough, and I know you know probably money's not as great as available as for everyone as, as possible. But you know, if you need certain things, we we have uh, sponsors that provide certain services that um, you know could be a benefit to you. So definitely check out for Petco and uh, Champs. Support them, and uh, just like always, now the open invitation for the exclusive interviews with uh, Sir Bay. And the ad, they're always open. You guys know where to get me. And like I said, uh, especially you survey, we can we can do it uh, soul bro free and crisp free if you'd like. So, hope. Well, well, I would. Uh, I like to give a shout out to some YouTube videos oh. by by a guy named the Anime Overviewer. Oh yeah, I saw those. There's Are these some, not uh, cats playing pianos? No, there's no no cats playing pianos. Damn it! Then I'm not watching it. If it doesn't have cats, no felines. I'm not watching. It. You're going to have to sell this one, Chris. Uh, maybe there's some cat videos in the sidebar. Oh, okay. <laughs> there's an advertisement for a cat video on the exactly. side. Exactly. So he was, uh, his videos were linked to on the Gundam Facebook group. Mm-hmm. And it's a two-part video that he posted where he discusses Gundam Mage. And it's called Gundam Mage Addressing the Stupidity Parts 1 and 2. <laughs> where he uh, takes a detailed deconstruction of all of the idiots, trolls, and losers bitching about Gundam Mage and brings up a lot of the same points 
that we did in our discussion and gives us some shout-outs, so we're returning the favor. Oh, you, can, awesome. you should uh, check him out on YouTube. Uh, the Anime Overviewer is his name. Well, that hey, isn't uh, it's a few more weeks till the, the landmark show, you know, Gundam Age. Uh, never had children piloting X before. Never. Is, uh, nope, never happen, seen that. So. Nope. So... Yeah, and again, as a reminder, um, since I know people will ask about this, even though we've stated this, we're not going to be covering age right when it starts. We're going to be doing yeah. it in five-episode blocks. So after October 9th rolls around and you see the first Gundam after that doesn't have Gundam age, well, that's the reason why. So keep that in mind uh, before you start asking, aren't you guys going to talk about Gundam age? <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> But listen, listen to the uh, listen to the long drones of what was uh, Code Geass oh. and double, double O the, those episodes. You'll see why. Man. And Frontier, those and were those oh were literally God. marathons of reviews. Never again. Never again. Exactly. <laughs> Never had I had to psych myself to do the show more than during that time. I will come late now. Those days were the those were the tough days. Never, did, never before had I hit such rock bottom times. Oh, God damn. And, <laughs> all right, so I'll turn it over. I'll turn over to Sobro to tell us some websites that you should visit in the meantime. Yes, indeed. Um, please check out these websites. Head on over where the magic happens. M A H Q dot net. That's the Mecca and Anime headquarters. Also, you can check out Gundam's main website at Gundam dot net. That's right. It's spelled as it sounds. Also, you can find us on iTunes, Facebook and other forms of social networking. If you look for those links, you'll find them at Gundam.net as well. After listening to this episode, you should definitely check out Chaos Theater. And you can find it by going to chaostheater.blogspot.com. A jack-of-all-trades otaku podcast hosted by MAHQ and Gundam's own Chris Guanche and our favorite pedal bear South, Pedro Cortez. And last but not least, Shinjuku Station has a movie podcast. Shinjuku Station at the movies can be found at shinstation.blogspot.com. And um, I just want to just thank all our listeners for, for continuously listening to our podcast and um. Pretty much all the podcasts we produce, uh, Chaos Theater, Laplace's Block, Laplace, I, I always say that, Laplace's Ooh. Blocks, every <laughs> this damn is, time. This is, not, this is not a Lego podcast, <laughs> or La Lincoln Logs, me, Laplace's La Blocks. <laughs> Laplace's Box, there we go. Um, that and, of course, the Shinjuku Station podcast we put out uh, at the movies and Fight Club. Thank you guys for, ch for checking those out and, and continue to support us and our sponsors. But um, that's and all once, I got. And, and once again, with that flub that he did, Bandai just laughs in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, I'll turn it back over to you, Chris. All right. And please subscribe to us on iTunes and give us some ratings and reviews. We definitely appreciate oh, yeah. them and we could use them. And we'll catch you next time. That's it for episode 86 of Gundam at MAHQ. Oh, hey, here's a good example. Let's look at Victory Gundam. It had a bunch of kids as part of the main cast, along with a baby and a dog. It looks like it could very well be a kid's show, and technically it is, like every other Gundam TV show. But you know what? Victory ended up being one of the darkest Gundam shows ever, with a body count that's only rivaled by Zeta. Oh, and did I mention that the main protagonist, Uso, is 13 years old? Speaking of which, have you ever noticed that the main pilots in almost every Gundam series are, oh, I don't know, kids? The three generations of pilots in age are around 13, 14, and 15, respectively. 
Again, Uso, 13, Darkest Gundam Show next to Zeta. Judo Ashita, 14 and double Zeta. Amuro Ray, Hiro Yui, Garrett Ran from First Gundam, Gundam Wing, and Gundam X were all 15. The only two lead Gundam pilots that were actually adults from a TV show anyway were Domon from G Gundam and Setsuna during Season 2 of Double O. Besides, judging from the trailer, age doesn't seem to be as quote-unquote babyish as everyone makes it out to be. Well, let's see, we got a bunch of civilians getting vaporized by the enemy suits, and oh yeah, we see one of the lead Gundam pilots when he's 7 years old, and his mom is being burned alive by flaming debris. You know, for kids! Gundam at MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint. A proud part of the AAA Podcast Network. I don't want to die in a place like this. People shouldn't die in the same place as people magazines do. I hope to die surrounded by my family. That's the only way I agreed to be surrounded by my family. Me and I would have an agreement. If one of us dies, we stage it to look like a suicide caused by the unjust cancellation of Firefly. We're going to get that show back on the air, buddy. 